Welcome, Ji. Welcome back to an episode of Kya Kya Kazi. My guest today was Saif Ali. Saif Ali and I spoke about his harrowing tale from when he was asked to leave, to put it mildly, America, and the experiences that he's had since, the stories, and the strife, the struggle, the joy, the peace, the love, the agony, and the lessons. Enjoy. Three, two, one. Saif Ali, how are you doing, Saif? I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. all right. Fantastic. Alhamdulillah. Uh, you were telling me how you got deported. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about views. This I just is, want a story. This is uh, this is clickbait, man. This is the, the height of this it. This is. Lekin, lekin, jitna how much I've I've gotten uh, to know you in the past uh, few minutes. Yeah. It's probably going to be two hours. So. I mean, no sure. clickbait. Can all right, all right. Let's save uh, this. <laughs> but no, brevity is also important. Sure. But um, sure. but I'm going to go into excruciating detail. Maybe I don't know. Depends Please on how do. I depends on how I feel. All right. In the flow of it. Look, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's also funny because I say that I was deported as a pithy explanation. Sure. Like. Deportation means that you were arrested by that government's authority and you were put either on a government plane or a private plane with air marshals in their custody, right? Like handcuffed oftentimes, oh, wow. right? And you have a deported stamp on your passport. Then when you land in your home country, you're transferred over to those local authorities, right? And then they detain you and they question you. deport you Right? Like, what did you do? <laughs> They're just like, what's up? <laughs> right? And you can imagine what that would be like with FIA. So I'm lucky that I didn't get deported in the official sense. I was... Uh, I suppose the legal term for it is forcibly removed. Forcibly removed. Nicer. Yes. Right? Yeah, sure. It's a... Softer. Yeah, softer, quite. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and look, the, the, the story is that my, my family and I moved to the U.S. from Dubai uh, when I was 10. Okay. Right? And the move was based on a visit visa. So a lot of Desis will do this. Yes. Right? They'll go. They'll overstay. They, my family, you know... Um, tried to go through all of the legal channels that were available to us, right? Like, we couldn't even get an extension on our visit stay, mm-hmm. right? Post-9-11 America was very difficult so it, for yeah. for Muslims yeah. in oh, general, yeah. yes. right? Pakistanis are involved here, right, with my family. And, and of course, we're Muslims on paper. Oh, we also look this way. That's yeah. a problem, right? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it, right? Yeah. So... Uh, we filed for many different types of legal residency applications, all denied, right? And even though we're meeting the criteria, so there's really I mean, no other thing you can chalk it up to mm-hmm. other than racial profiling, right? Now, in my parents' infinite wisdom, they decided to stay on, right, and continue to live there sure. illegally, right? So the family unit was my mother, my father, my uncle, my sister and I. Okay. Right, my younger sister. Okay. Now, the interesting caveat in this whole story, and the, one of the major reasons we chose to stay in the U.S., is because my father and I, well, my uncle as well, uh, were Pakistani citizens. Okay. My mother and my sister were Indian citizens. Dude, right? this story is just... Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of branches. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Do, do you want to go down that rabbit, rabbit hole as do, well? Do go um, all of it. Look, the rabbit hole is real simple. When I was born, I was born in Dubai. Okay. Right? You don't get UAE citizenship no, you don't. or residency, Free right? Name. Your parents yeah. apply, they file for your papers, sure. and they file with their embassy, wherever they're from. Like, mm. I'm Irshad, I'm Pakistani, I've had a son, he's now a Pakistani, right? That's what my dad did. And when my sister was born, um, the, the law had changed to where either mother or father could file oh, that's for, nice. Progressive. for a child. Yeah, 
Sure. Right? Props yeah. to the UAE, right? 97, like, they're moving up. <laughs> yeah. And so my mother took that opportunity, and she's like, look, this is my daughter, and if anything ever happens to the family, you know, she was a bit iffy about wh- where things were going to go in her marriage. Um, and so she thought, you know, so she needs to stay with her mother, right? So I should get her an Indian passport. Sound logic. Right? And, and of course, and she didn't foresee that the entire family is going to be split up in two different countries, right? Which is where we are right now, by the way. So, I'm sorry I'm jumping back and forth. No, no, but please do. Yeah, yeah. Where we are right now is... So, nine years ago, you were deported or forcibly removed. And in those nine years, yeah. have you seen your mom? Once. Oh, man. Come on. Six now. years ago. Right? right? So, they live in Mumbai. Okay. And I live in Karachi. Okay. Um, so, it's been, it's been a bit tough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, like, being on your own is tough enough, but not having access to family, right? That's a whole different story. So, I think my mom and I were talking about this a few days ago, that... You know, and you know, set up shop, shop somewhere else and get into a good enough position so that you can bring the family together, which is what Inshallah. I've been trying to do yes. for this, yes. like, almost a decade now, yes. right? Yes. Um, and she said it herself. She's like, look, I know we've been living apart this whole time, so there's no way we go back into living into one family unit under one roof, right? You're used to your independence and your yeah. privacy. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm used to mine. That's beautiful right? that she's cognizant of right? that. Yeah, yeah, she is, right? And props to her for that. Yeah, absolutely. But that even if I have that, right? I mean, the point is that we still need to be like in the same city or in the same you know, country. Just have access sake, right? to like, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Um, where we can live in independently, but still be able to meet, right? That's, that's a lot, man. Yeah, so that's, that's a bit tough. But yeah. going back to it, we lived there illegally for about six years. Okay. So I entered in 2000. I came back to Dubai because it didn't work out, like my whole family. Then we went back in 02, right? So post 9-11. I was there when 9-11 happened, by the way. I was in Houston watching wow. it on TV and I remember my, f- my, my chachu actually called my mom at home. She's like, you need to turn on the TV right now. I need to see what's going on. Yeah. Right? And I didn't understand, like, why this was important to my chachu. Right? Because these people didn't care about what was happening in U.S. politics or whatever, you know, current events. Because it didn't affect them. No, right? they were just trying to get by. Yeah. But yeah. this was important. Because there was already murmurs of the fact that this was a Muslim-coordinated terrorist group, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Um, and my jachu and my mother immediately knew what that meant for us, wow. right? New entrants, trying to make it, trying to, you know, get through the legal system. Um, and they knew the repercussions that were going to be coming. So I remember the look on my mom's face, like, watching it on TV with me, right? And it was just, like, dread, like... And not for the fact that people are dying and all of that. I'm sure that was also going through her head. Sure, later. But it was more about the fact that what's going to happen to me and my family, right? And, but in any case, we left after that. We re-entered in 02. And then we lived there illegally, right? So six-month stay is all you get when you, when you enter on a visit visa. And we lived there illegally till 2008. Okay, wow. 2008, my family was, my, my parents were introduced to a white guy named Mark who said that he could provide them with fake green cards, um, because he was involved in like high-level immigration, uh, naturalization, corruption. All right. Okay. He's an ex-government employee in INS, and he has access to the system. He has people on the inside. So, not only you know is he going to get you a green card, he's going to fake an entire file in the system, right? You're going to have a social security number. You will wow. you will be a resident. The dream, you know? dude. The, the dream. dream. Yeah. The dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because by 2008, like, all my family or my parents are hoping for is some sort of amnesty scheme that will come by 
and just, you know, sweeping legislation, make all the illegals legal, mm. right? But, never, never came, but, though. Yeah, never well, came. it did. There's, that's also part of the story, Ooh. right? <laughs> well, not sweeping, but, uh, but a good bit okay. um, came about. Um, that's also a really, you know, frustrating part of the story. But this happened uh, in 08, mm. right? And my chachu and my mom would go and meet this guy. And, of course, they were reluctant at first. We'd met a bunch of con artists like this over the years. They took your money, right? stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right? Mm. Um, but this guy, again, so major difference is the fact that he's white, right? You have to understand, like, the impression that makes on just two impressionable, illegal adults uh, with families living in living in Texas, right? They, they just bought into his bullshit. The colonial right? pretext, all of that. Precisely. They, they bought into that pretext. And it's also really fucked up because... We were introduced to Mark by Mohammed Bhai, who was a Pakistani friend of my Jachu's. Right? More often than not, that's what happens, right? More often than not, it's right? us screwing us over. Right? So yeah. you can see where this is going. Sure. Right? So uh, Mark says, look, it's 25 grand for one green card. For right? one, man. Right? And I understand that by 2008, we're living fairly comfortably. All right? So... We're on rent, like we've got a town home on rent. We've got a town home, right? So, well, Texas property is also a bit cheaper, but we're living well, alhamdulillah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got two or three cars at home, right? Uh, both my Jachu and my dad are working. Jachu's running his own business, small time. Uh, my dad works as, uh, works a menial job as a driver. And that's the best he could do in the U.S., okay. right? Okay. Um, no formal education, nothing no. like that. Mm. And my mom's a housewife. Both kids are going to school, and we're doing well, like... You know, we're, there's nothing left, like, we're not left wanting for anything, no, no, right? No, yeah. um, middle class, upper middle class, everything's fine. But it's that hunger for more, right? Like, because even my chachu's business, whatever he had, small time, you know, uh, at that stage, it wasn't directly in his name. Because he didn't have a social security card. He didn't have a green card. He didn't have a passport, right? So he couldn't do these. He didn't have a tax ID, right? So he couldn't register his own business. Mm -hmm. And um, we couldn't buy property. Even when we would go to rent property, we'd have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, and they would know. Property managers would know, especially in Houston. Mm -hmm. It was a massive illegal population. Mm -hmm. They would know you're illegal. Yeah. And oftentimes, like, we'd go to complexes where they'd charge us more. Right? Like, okay, you don't have this form, you pay this much. You know? <laughs> wow. All right. And that Indian accent. <laughs> All right? Well, whatever. I'm, I was trying to do Hispanic, and I don't, ah. know, I don't know why it came out like... Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's usually Hispanic. All right. So... Uh, Right, so we put together that money, All right. right? And that's that a large, that's, that's, a, that's lot. a large sum that's for, a for like, we're not, we're doing well, we're not doing that well. <laughs> no one's doing that well, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, people are doing that well. 125 I mean, grand? 25. So 25 pl uh, per person, right? So per 125 person. 125 grand. So we, at first, we agreed to go ahead with one. Okay. From my judge, okay. right? All right. So I'm saying just that first 25 was, was a stretch, Right, it's we put make together bleed, whatever yeah. we oh, had, yeah. Oh, yeah. right? And I think they even had to pull out some some operating capital from the business, right? And they made it happen. Mm -hmm. They paid Mark, mm -hmm. all right? And yeah. he delivered the green card, okay? Oh, wow, okay. These guys then went to a lawyer. My family then goes to a lawyer to verify this. Everything's legit. My Jachu's name is showing up in the system. Oh, wow, dude. And, you know, they're over the moon. I'm like, okay, this is, this is the real deal, Yeah. right? Uh, after this, I think three or four days after this, they decided to go and meet him again to discuss green cards for the whole family. Now, mind you, during this whole process, several meetings have been had. Uh, and my, my mom, my chachu, they've handed over uh, all of our passports, 
to Mark. Oh, wow. Right? They've looped him in on our entire history. Like, look, we filed for this visa. We re-entered on this date. We had this extension, blah, 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 blah. Right? The whole thing. Because Mark demanded to know. Like, I have to know your history so that I can enter that into the system. I can't just poof you into existence, blah. Like, he had a whole argument. Of, of course. course he did, yeah. Right? Uh, three or four days later, they go to pick him up. Now, check this out. Check this out. Maternal instinct in action. Like, this is an amazing story. And my mother can't make this up because my sister was part of it. My sister at that time was 11. Okay. 11 years old. Wow. 11 or 12 years old. Um, so this meeting, right, where they're going to meet him again to discuss a package deal for the whole family, my mother just sensed something was off. Okay. So the deal was that they were going to, my mom had to pick up my sister from school sure. every day. Okay. All right. right. So the deal was she would pick her up and she had no choice but to just take her to the meeting. Right, which is happening at a Starbucks, like nothing shady. Uh, right? Yeah, it's a really busy part of town, right in front of the biggest mall in Houston. Um, so she wasn't concerned about it. But that morning, she felt something was off. She didn't, or she couldn't, cancel the meeting, right? Because Machachu was also really forceful, like, no, we have to do this. Yeah. Right? Like, look, we got it. We're almost there. We have to do this. I mean, right? yeah, think about it from his perspective. Yeah, you, you, you're there. You're yeah, almost there. You can yeah. see the finish line. You can crystallize oh, this, man. like, end goal. And, but my mother, in, in her paranoia, she picks up my sister and randomly decides to drop her off at the mall across the street by herself, uh, buys her a ticket to the skating rink. We used to go ice skating okay, all the time. Cool. All right. right? All right yeah. and she just tells her, like, you just hang out here and you do your ice skating. Okay. And my mother gave my sister her own cell phone. Like, you know, hang on to my cell phone. Um, and don't worry. You just skate around for like an hour. I'll be back before that. Okay? And my sister didn't think anything of it. No. She's like, I'm 11. I get to skate. Right? Like, she's <laughs> fine. Go. Right? She's ready. So, um, and then my mother goes back with my chachu. They go to the Starbucks. They park. They get out of their cars, they're walking towards the Starbucks, and then agents pull up and they arrest them right there oh on the spot. God, and then that's how this started, right? This was around April oh. 2008, right? Just to traumatize people like that. Yeah. And, and then they, they demanded to know where my sister was. Like, look, we know you picked her up, right? Like, this is not, this is, there's a bunch of us here. <laughs> Right? This is... We've been watching. This, we've been watching, right? right. This, is, this is U.S. law enforcement. Dude, it's like, beautiful not... that you can use the lens of comedy. It really is. You have to. Oh, yeah, you'd you go crazy, to. I imagine. You yeah. have to. The, yeah. the stark reality of it is just fucked. Oh, yeah. So you have Absolutely to, absurd. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I'm, and I, I say it's absurd uh, because, especially because of the fact that this is actually an interagency task force between Homeland Security... Um, uh, ICE, which is Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, sure. and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's FBI. Right? Yeah. And this is the task force that has been watching my family for months, uh, pushed Muhammad to approach us. Because oh. Muhammad initiated. No, no one went to Muhammad, right? The mountain didn't go to Muhammad. <laughs> Muhammad came to the mountain, right? Muhammad was like, hey, I heard you're illegal. And I, you know, you know this guy, he did it for me. He'll get it done for you. I know your whole family's in, in, this, ish, in this situation. We'll get you fixed up. Wow, right? dude. And pure racial profiling, right? Because no one has a criminal record. No one's... You're contributing to the GDP. I yeah, mean, no one's... No one's uh, we're not taking any white man jobs. No. <laughs> Jeez, dude, white man jobs. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're not paying taxes. Yeah. 
All right. Let us, yeah. let us pay taxes then. We'll I pay taxes. Would. So my uncle, like, he tried his level best just to get a tax ID, right? It's like there must be a way around it, right? I know I don't have a social security, but I have a government ID, right? Or I can show employment at so-and-so company, whatever. I want to pay tax. There was no way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And anyway, so, um, and that's why it's, it's absurd that the fact, like, they, they, this is just racial profiling. They, they targeted um, us for what reason, apart from the fact that we're a Muslim family, right? So they then demand to know where my sister is. Okay. You know, they're, they're okay. grilling my mother. Like, look, we know you picked yeah. her up, yeah. and now she's not with you. Mm -hmm. She's a minor. Nothing's going to happen to her. But you have to tell her where she is. Tell us where she is, okay. so we can send some like black and whites to go pick her up. Okay. Because wherever you've left her, she's clearly unattended. Be for. Beautiful experience right? for an eleven-year-old. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and my mother at first was like, "No, fuck, no! Like, I'm not telling ya." Right. And then eventually she realized, like, "Yeah, okay, you're right." Yeah. Um, so she she gave them the phone number uh, of the cell phone that she had. Yeah. And and then cops randomly show up at the Galleria Ice Rink, like, "Hi, are you Sophia?" Like yeah, she, and she of course starts freaking out because I don't I don't even know what that interaction was, and I don't think she remembers it very well either. Well, that's good right? that she doesn't, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, not sure what they said or how this happened, but they then knew to call my father, right? So they called my father. They explained the situation to him, and my father, with all of his broken English and whatnot, oh. understood clearly. Right, so he left work, he rushed over, he picked up my sister, and then he rushed to my school. Now, it's like the last, last class of the day, and my phone's ringing off the hook, right? And my father doesn't even usually pick me up. I'm just confused, I'm like, what's going on? He's just calling and calling, and I'm, I'm in class, right? And I'm like, excuse me, sir, can I go outside and take, my, take this call? I don't know what's going on. And I pick up, and my dad's crying on the phone, oh, right? No, and he's like, look, I'm outside, and they've taken your mom. They've taken your mom, you know? What does that even mean? Amma gothaliye, amma gothaliye. Oh. I was just crying, right? And I knew what that meant. You did? How yeah. old were you? I was 16. At 16, you knew what that meant? Because I was aware of everything that was unfolding oh, in the house. Oh, my goodness. Right? Dude. I was also vocal about the fact, like, y'all some dumb fucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. look at this house, right? Like, there's a Mercedes SUV downstairs that we're driving. Yeah, okay? And the other two cars are crap. But what? there's a Mercedes SUV. You, you want beaters. Right? <laughs> you want beaters. Right? <laughs> Um, okay, I'm wearing nice clothes, all right? We've got a fridge full of snacks, okay? I don't understand why this is happening, okay? You were at 16 yeah. against the fact, against the idea of trying to become citizens. Like, uh, trying to cheat and become citizens. The system, citizens, oh, right? all right. You understood even back then yeah, that yeah. that's I mean, a It problem. was illegal. This was clear cut, right? Like you're buying a fake green card from, an, from a guy named Mark that you don't know. And my point was... The, the reward is not worth the risk, okay? That's all I was trying to get across. All right. Um, and whatever, like, you're 16. This is a Muslim Desi household. You have no voice. <laughs> Dude, you know, in your case, that, you know, that so, yeah, those words are heavy. <laughs> no, I mean... My father was also against it, you know, um, but right. my father was generally like risk averse in his life, right? So then he was demonized for that. You know? Oh, wow, dude. So my mom and Chachu were like full gung ho on this, right? And anyway, so my dad picks me up from school that day, right? Now I go outside, he and my sister are in the car, and now I see them both crying. And, and he, I sit in the car, he's like, I don't know where to go, but what do I do, right? And I just told him, like, go home, right? So we go home, 
And they both just like plop down, you know, uh, on the living room sofa. And they're crying, right? And, and this is a, a difficult situation, right? Because I can fully appreciate what's happening. Sure. Um, but I can't stop thinking about the, the domino effect, the long-term ramifications. Um, and th- the, my mind is running a mile a minute. And in that phase, I don't want to be sitting in the room with these people who are crying because I don't know how to comfort them, right? I can't think of anything else but, okay, but now that that happened, this is going to happen. And because of that, they're going to find that. And because of that, they're going to call us to court, right? Cataclysm. Um, right, exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, it's like Jim Carrey in the number 23, right? I can just see like, all these like, algorithms oh, unfolding. Yeah. So I decided to go into my room, and I remember just lying down onto the floor, foregoing my bed, not even making it to my bed. And I'm just staring at the ceiling thinking, my life is over, right? So I understand that my mother and my, my chachu have been detained, um, but I'm, I'm sure that we'll get to them, we'll figure it out, we'll get them out. I have a fairly decent understanding of how the American justice system works, um, right? But what I can't stop thinking about is, however this unfolds... This is over. It's done. This is done, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that idyllic white picket fence American dream that I had bought into because I moved there at just the perfect age to get indoctrinated. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. Those are the words. <laughs> I can feel it slipping away. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So then what we did was we called a family friend who used to be a cop. <laughs> we didn't know. We don't know who to call. We don't know how to track them down. No. Right? And we don't know where they are. Of course. Right? We don't know where they've been taken, whose custody they're in, anything. That's terrifying. Right? Yeah. So, so we call this, uh, uh, you know, uncle friend. He comes over and he makes a few calls to, you know, whatever uh, contacts he has. Um, and he finds out that at that point they're in uh, the uh, jurisdiction of Homeland mm-hmm. and they will be transferred over to uh, a local Houston City jail within the next 24, 48 hours. So, and they also had to have a, uh, a hearing within that time. You know the hearing that happens in jail? Sure. Right? Of course, you know. <laughs> I don't, man. Come on, now. Jeez. That also happens, right? Yeah, like, these yeah. are just emergency hearings. Yeah. Um, so, immediately, they were sentenced to uh, two charges, both of them, right? So, one was a uh, felony, right? Uh, a federal felony. Okay. Which is, like, falsifying legal documents. Sure, okay, yes. Something like yes, this, right? Yes, all right, yeah. My mother was charged with conspiracy to falsify. And, and he was charged with, yeah. Falsifying yeah, directly, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, and then they were, so they were given 90 days, both given 90 days for that charge um, in federal penitentiary, right? After which they were transferred to immigration detention for 45-ish days, right? Because so they were in jail for that long? For four and a half months, Jeez, five dude. months, oh, right? Wow. Because you've committed a felony in terms of federal law, right? But then once you're caught into the system as an illegal alien, you know that, right? Right, By the yeah. way, in their legal terminology. That's what we are? Or not us, me, me. Yeah, that's what you are, yeah. Right, me. Illegal and, and, alien. And check how, check this, check out how dark this is. I have an alien number, right? Okay. I don't have a case number. No. I have an alien number. Yeah, that's what you are. No yeah. name, no Seth, yeah. no nothing else. Right? Very reminiscent of like Auschwitz. Yes. Type yes, situation. you would think. Yes, yes, right? yes. That's dark, dude. Right. Yeah, that's serious. So, uh, 
So three days later, we find out that one of them is in XYZ jail. I forgot what it's called. And my mother was shifted to Liberty County Jail. Now, that, that's a story on its own because Liberty County Jail used to be run by the Ku Klux Klan. Maybe you've heard of them. Right? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. A group of rowdy white boys. Yeah. Got up to some bad shit. Just some, yeah. Right? Just yeah. some, yeah. You know, lone, lone, lone uh, actors, though. Never, never yeah, a group. Yeah. It's mm. not, not, not an attitude. Not like the Muslims. <laughs> not like the Muslims. But, so because it was used to be run by the KKK, used to be, it, mm-hmm. it isn't now, or it wasn't then actively, mm-hmm. um, just like a whole bunch of deplorable, you know, just degeneracy. Practices, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, on, on how they deal with inmates, how they deal with conflicts. Um, like my mother saw uh, inmates, uh, you know, intentionally being starved by the guards because they got into a fight or because they disrespected someone or whatever, right? They saw inmates being beaten up by the guards and a whole bunch of this shit, right? Yeah. My mother, lucky for her, was safe within Liberty County because she had. A, a, so if within Liberty County, um, they had uh, state prisoners, sure. okay. Texas state prisoners, um, and then they had federal prisoners, right? Federal prisoners had a, actually had a like, completely different color of jumpsuit. Okay. Right, so you could spot them from far away. Okay. Federal prisoners couldn't be touched. Right. right. Federal law and all that stuff. Not just that, like they have federal case agents who will come and check on them. All right. right. Someone gives a shit. Someone okay. gives a shit. Okay. okay right. Okay. They're part of a larger process, a larger game, right? right? Yeah. Um, generally, more serious criminals. You could say sometimes okay. doesn't really doesn't really work that way, but sometimes. Okay. Um, and so my mother was, you know, protected from all of this shit, uh, only because of the fact that she had a different shade of orange, uh, you know, on her jumpsuit. So no guard would touch her. And believe this, she actually got into a prison fight. Your mom right? did. Some racist shit went down. Like she never tells us the specifics to this day. Some racist shit. And my mother whacked some woman on the head with oh, like yeah. a food tray, right? Like proper, gangster, straight proper, out, dude. right? And then that woman tried to retaliate, but the guard stepped in. So my mother got away with it, right? Like just knocked her out and like, boom. Okay, what? What? Um, right? And again, no <laughs> consequences. It, no consequences sure. because she's a federal prisoner. Sure. Um, so Still swinging, mashallah. That's beautiful though, dude, right? <laughs> dude, dude. That's, al- that's the lowest of the low. She's also a young mom. She had me when she was 19. Oh, wow. All right? right, all right yeah. So even when this was, this happened, she was like in her late 30s. So she was fit. <laughs> sure. But, yeah. you know, I mean, wouldn't you be terrified? I would be terrified. Of course. Yeah. But she's swinging. That's she's swinging, beautiful. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, by now we know where they are. We go and we visit them regularly every week or so. Um, now, the judge, the judge who sentenced them, right, uh, when they were arrested early on, um, said that, look, if you, if you can afford to pay 25 grand for one green card, you can afford to pay 20 grand for bail each. Oh, dude. Right? So 20 for uncle, 20 for mom, right? 25 you've already paid, which we're not ever getting back, of course. No, of course. Right? Goes without saying. Um, and so, yeah, like whatever back taxes we owed and then plus some. <laughs> no, they got them back. They, they got them back, dude. Right? Um, yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, so that summer was quite a summer. Right. Uh, it was it was quite strange. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after they were arrested, I think a week or so into it, um, we received the legal notice at home. Right. To um, vacate the premises. No legal notice uh, from Department of Homeland, I want to say. OK. 
um, or immigration and naturalization. I can't remember. I dealt with so much of the bureaucracy, it all gets mixed up. Yeah. Um, received the legal, legal notice that uh, it was a notice to appear, appear in immigration court. Um, we, we were uh, called to appear for the beginning of our removal proceedings, which is deportation here. But they said that. Yeah. Oh, wow. It said removal proceedings, right? And notice to appear, if you don't know how it works, is if you don't show up on your given court date, uh, immediately the court issues an arrest warrant, um, and then they bring you in. And then you, you know, yeah, then you brought it. Kicking okay. and screaming, okay. right? Yeah. So um, we were invited, all three of us who were on the outside. So we were on one docket, my sister, my father, and I. Okay. Right? Um, so we also called my mom and my chachu, like, well, you know, we have to go. We don't know what it is. We don't know what's going to happen. We have to go. Now, this is what's called a master hearing. You ever watch, like, Law & Order or any courtroom drama? You see, like, a courtroom full of people, sure. right? And the judge is like, all right, docket number 6279, yeah. come up. Yeah. They talk to you for two minutes, like, okay, done. Docket number 6280, yeah. whatever. They've right? pretty much decided yeah. what's going to happen. No, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a quick, um, it's really just, like, hazri. You know, this is sure. where you just enter the system, sure. right? So we show up at the master hearing. Um, judge asks us if we already have a lawyer. We say, no, we don't. We haven't had time to appoint one. They're like, okay, go get a lawyer. One month extension, done. Goodbye. Right? So we don't have any funds left is the problem. So we find a lawyer, the best one we can afford, who was an octogenarian. Um, what does that mean? He was in his 80s. Okay. Maybe late 70s. Okay. That makes it a little better, I think. Not really. Not really at all, no. Trump's in his late 70s. He is. He's doing well. Well, Biden's older than him, though. Biden is the president. <laughs> so, um, octogenarian's taking yeah. over, man. Yeah. But yeah. this guy was, like, on the verge of, like, you know, being senile. And, okay. And uh, okay. Not, not the best attorney no. to have. No. But the best we could do. And... You know, uh, henceforth began our removal proceedings. Um, parents were in jail during that time. So because they were in jail, right, like you have to imagine the perspective the entire family has on life, you know, at that moment in time. The plan of action, right, immediate plan of action at that stage was we need to just put the funds together to get these two out of jail, all right? And then the moment they're both out, we all pack up and we leave, Right. Whether that means going to India and Pakistan individually, whether that means going to Dubai temporarily while we figure it out, whatever. The, the shit has hit the fan. Get out right? of here. It's done, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the end of the road. Yes. Um, so and we don't have any resources left. We don't have anything to do. Uh, there's no real legal recourse anyway. Let's leave, right? So um, that was also really difficult for me to digest. But it is what it is. What it is. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's funny. It's, it's really funny. Again, it's all about perspective. Sure. Right? When we bailed them out, by the way, we bailed them out by borrowing money from um, pretty much everyone we knew. So family, friends in Houston, uh, actual family in India, in mm -hmm. Dubai, in Karachi, everyone. Actually, maybe Karachi people didn't give money. Yeah, they didn't give money. Beautiful. Yeah. That's the case. So... Um, we put together the funds. Now, if you're keeping track, that's 65 grand yes. in the hole yes. to the U.S. government. Um, we got them out. And now that everyone's back home and we're having this really sweet reunion, everyone's calmed down, right? And then I remember, like, they've been home for a few days and I came home from school or something from university. I don't remember. Um, and they sat me down 
and they were like, look, we need to ask you something, right? They wanted my input, Gazi. Can oh, you believe that's this? That's beautiful, dude. Right? And I was just like, okay. I'm so happy, sir. About time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> about I, damn time. I have some things to say. Yes. Right? I have some, some ideas about this. And, <laughs> some opinions. And some designs of my own. So, <laughs> uh, like, look, it's a simple question. We can leave, okay? If we leave, we cannot go to Dubai. You don't have any money for that. Okay. We have to go. You have to go to Pakistan. We have to go to India. You have to go to Pakistan. If we leave right now. Have you ever been to Pakistan before? I, at that, at that point in life, I had visited Pakistan twice. Um, once when I was, once when I had just been born. Uh-huh. Uh, and once when I was nine. For how long each, dude? Two weeks. You're Three killing weeks. me, buddy. You're ki- yeah, so right. no ties to Pakistan. No, no. None um, whatsoever, of course. right? And, um, I mean, it's not like I'm not Pakistani. Even, so, Abibi, when my Urdu is so good, it's just because I've always talked about Urdu Bro, you're probably more Pakistani than me. I, I, it doesn't <laughs> matter. That's not, and, and I've lived here for the better part of, at least 75, 80% of my life I've lived hmm. in Pakistan, hmm. right? Hmm. It, it's not that... Obviously, no one can monopolize being Pakistani. No, no, no. And people try, all. obviously. Of right? course, they, they do. do. They do that with and all cultural stupid, identities. Right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that culture shock, right? And now they're yeah. asking you this question. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. so please. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the, there's gatekeepers for everything, right? Like, oh, you're not, you're not brown enough. You're not white enough. Whatever. Well, I, I'm not. I'm absolutely not brown enough or white enough. I'm also yeah. not Sindhi enough. Hmm. Um, when I'm when I get big, when I work out a lot. I'm not lean enough. When I get lean, I'm not big enough. Yeah. Definitely not man enough. Yeah. Am I woman enough? No. Yeah. So what the fuck am I? Yeah. <laughs> just just not enough. Just not. Yeah. Just not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry. Uh, so so they, uh, they sit yeah. you down. They ask you that question. Okay. Yeah, they sit me down. Like, look, we can either leave. If we leave now. So at that time, I was 16. Okay. I was in the 10th grade. All right. right. So if you're familiar with the American school system, it's 0 to 12. Yes. Right? Like yes. K to 12. Yes. Um, uh, and there's no, like, matriculation or anything no, in between, no, no, no. right? Yeah. So yeah. it's just kindergarten till high school diploma. So they said, look, if we, if we leave now, you're leaving in the middle of your 10th grade year. Mm-hmm. You can probably transfer your credits, but you have to then integrate into the Pakistani school system. Oh. You'll have to go and do a matriculation, right? We probably won't even be able to afford, like, any O-levels type situation, no, no, no. right? You're going to go to, like, some government school, okay? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a star student, but I'm a bright kid. Right, uh, you know, at that stage in life, and 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 um, they also don't want. They're advising me against this. Like you won't survive this, right? My mother was the one telling me this. Like it's because beautiful that right? they yeah. still, yeah, yeah, the wherewithal, dude. Yeah, exactly. Because my mother grew up in Mumbai, right? All right. Um, she actually failed her matriculation, and yet she's one of the most learned people I've met in my entire life. Wow. Right, like uh, fluent English, you know, beautiful, fluent like yeah. uh, understanding of how the world works, even before all this. Yeah. So. Um, you know, they, they, they're advising me against this. And, and, of course, the alternative is we can fight a bullshit case to buy time. Oh. And you'll at least be able to graduate high school, right? And I'm like, all right, this is good. <laughs> this, this whole thing that's happening, this is good. This should happen more often. We should talk. I think everything would just work in everyone's favor if we all, like, voted on these things. I love how you're and, Christopher Walken about right? this. This situation should happen more often. Yes. And that's exactly how I feel. That's in that moment in time, I'm, like, just emphasizing every word. And, and I say, yeah, look, we, there's no question about it. You fight the bullshit case, right? I'll help you cook up the bullshit. We have to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to school in Pakistan. So university level, okay, okay. maybe. All right. right. At that time, I was certain I wanted to go to med school. Right. So wow. I'm, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you that brave though? Uh, yeah. yeah. You were good enough then? Yeah. And, and at that time, you know, for me, it actually made more sense. And I remember putting this forward as well. I was like, look, this actually will work out in my favor because I don't have to then go through the bachelor's, then med school sort of situation. If I can just complete high school here, I can go to Karachi and directly enroll in med school, become a doctor way earlier than I ever imagined. Right? And Pakistan's, Pakistan's medical uh, education is top-notch. It's top-notch. There's no and doubt about it. Doctors right? make money. Doctors make money. Right? Uh, so that was the plan. Everybody was on board. We agreed. Um, you know, we went back to our octogenarian attorney and we, you know, cooked up a bunch of just croc, right? <laughs> it's really funny what the croc was. I'll get into that okay. uh, because now you can say this even on a podcast um, because MQM is not here. The bullshit croc story was that because my father who was involved, deeply involved, like at high rank, in MQM back in 1991 or something, uh, which was the last time he was ever in Karachi. Uh, you know, if he if we were to go back to Pakistan as a family now, he would be targeted mm -hmm. and murdered. Okay. Right, because MQM is now in the you know in the majority. They're yeah. a ruling party yeah, at least in Karachi. Yes. Right, and he didn't leave on good terms. Right? That makes sense, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is that's a that's a story that happened. Like, it, it happens. Yeah. Right? It yeah. is. It is. It is grounded in reality. Yeah. Yes. But there's no there's nothing factual about no. my father's relation to the MQ. That's beautiful. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, that that is all cooked up, um, and and of course it's. There's a lot of, like, we, we had a file full of news clippings and things about the MQM, what they were up to, right? Bori Bandalashe, all this stuff, yes. right? To support this argument, right? We knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. That was never the purpose, right? So we go back to court with the lawyer, like, all right, what do you want to do? And, you know, we say, look, we're not guilty, this and that. Um, it doesn't actually work that way. Immigration court's a bit different. But yeah. um, we submitted this plea for asylum for political asylum um, on this basis that, you know, we're kids and, you know, we have to go back with our dad. And if we were to go back, my dad used to be a gangster and now they're going to kill him, right? Because he just left. So this is the story. And, you know, I was unlucky enough to have been assigned one of the strictest, strictest judges in the Houston immigration circuit, Judge Law. Right? Check that. Check out the yeah, irony of yeah. this. <laughs> right? Judge Law. Judge Law. He's a Vietnamese guy. Right? Okay? Just, come okay. on, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. I think he's still serving. Judge Strict Law. Strict First law. name Strict, last exactly. name Law. Exactly. Um, right? Prepare to be fucked by the long <laughs> dick of the law uh, is what's happening here. And, and so we go to court. And it takes a couple of months for our petition to be denied, naturally. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and at that stage, what happens is they offer you voluntary departure. This is something really cool. They say, look, you tried, you failed. Here's a free pass, all right? Free pass to just leave the country of your own volition, you know, on your own time. There's a certain defined time frame to claim that departure. And nobody will stop you, no detention, you know, uh, you know no red tape, nothing. You can just pack up and go, right? Because you've, you've come to the end of the road. Um, and you have to either accept or deny. Again, my parents came to me like, look, voluntary departure, <laughs> right? Like, what do you think? Because they spell this out for me, they didn't have to, that I was running the risk of being detained by the immigration authorities at any point in this journey. That's how it works. But you're still a minor, though. Doesn't matter. Okay. All right. You don't, if you, if you, you don't, you haven't heard of the, any of the immigration 
I've heard some stories, stories. I've of heard some what's stories. happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you heard about that camp near the border? Yeah. Where they're housing a bunch of kids? I've not heard that one. Right, so just look a it bunch, up. Bunch just, of kids? Just look it up. Dude. Kids, minors, uh, immigration, detention, oh, U.S. border. Boy. All right, all right. Right? There's an entire warehouse yeah. full of kids um, being held in deplorable conditions. Okay. This was a huge, huge scandal during the Trump era. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as I know, it's still there. There was a video that went viral a couple of years ago. I believe that child was three years old, present in immigration court, standing in front of a judge, and the judge is speaking to her like a baby, right? Like, are you okay? Like, you know, are you okay? How do you feel? Yeah. Right? Do you know where your parents are? Like, this dumb shit like this, because they legally have to go through the proceeding of her showing up, right, her attendance being noted, um, and whatever remarks she can physically give, you know, being noted down, and then they just pass her on. Just the insanity of it all. Just just the yeah. absolute absurdity of it all. It it makes you... We were joking about this earlier when you were having a difficult time getting here. Like, yeah. people are shit. Yeah. People are really shit, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause so, this is people. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I went through this uh, immigration system. I spent four years in that system mm-hmm. um, going through the whole court process, and it's just ridiculous the way it's designed, right? So there's no protection for minors, and everybody assumes this. Anytime I tell the story, we're like, oh, you were 16. Doesn't matter. My sister was 11. Same treatment. She had to go to court and stand next to me, right? We didn't have to speak because we had a lawyer present, but oftentimes, there's kids like her being detained on their own because their parents have already been arrested and deported or their parents are in some facility, mm-hmm. right? Or their parents are, are on another docket, another case docket altogether. So somehow this 11-year-old girl has to show up to court on her own or with a uncle or with a fucking neighbor, right? This, this happens all the time. And more often than not, that 11-year-old girl doesn't even speak English. Oh, man. Right, and, and what what's her crime to hope for a better future? Well, I don't know. No, no. So, just a so dream. The, the 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 beauty of it is that she didn't even do anything of her own will and volition. Because she's a minor, of course. She didn't decide like, oh, you know what? I don't like Mexico anymore. Let's go to Houston. She didn't do that on her own. No. Right? Someone took her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there was a specific piece of legislation designed for kids like those, you know, uh, those uh, who are stuck in those camps right now, kids like me and my sister, uh, that I'll come to in a bit because that's really the the kicker in the whole story. But, um... So you're fighting they, they the were, case. They were good people there and they tried to do a lot of work, you know, but, but yeah, kids, minors, no protections. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And, so, I'll, and I'll share some of the stuff with you. Of course. You'll go crazy. Uh, sure. I'm already crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. I, I, I let him. You know what that is, right? You know what that is, right there. What we just did. What? That's you. Have you heard this term? Like that got thrown around a lot during the last year, during the pandemic. Compassion fatigue. Dude, yeah, that that's right? my life, man. Right? Like, <laughs> but wait, but Gaza, right? And and like what's happening with TLP and yeah. what's happening in Yemen? Yeah. And, and then and the pandemic, dude. And then the kids on the border. The lockdown. The lockdown, like. And you know, and you want you want to be compassionate to all of these causes, but it's not humanly possible. You don't have the emotional bandwidth. Bro, bro, so, 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 Freud uh, came up with this uh, concept of cognitive capital. Yeah. And yeah, he, and, yeah. And, and, and he and, and it w- it was designed for this purpose. He's yeah. like, listen, there's only so much. Yeah. 
There's only, you know, and, and colloquially, we often say, you'll hear it, we, you often say, you know, look at the field of fucks that I give. Yeah. Clearly, they're barren, right? Yeah, but th- that's yeah, an actual yeah. thing that's rooted in actual psychology. You only have so much of cognitive capital. Absolutely. You know, and that doesn't make you a bad person or a good person because often, most of this stuff is morally charged in yes. Pakistan. Yes. You're a human. Yeah. I'm a human. Yeah. The fact that I'm an insan yeah. means that I can't give a fuck about everything. everything yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same you know, you pray for it. Like, yeah. I hope it sorts out. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and that's more human than anything, is that we, we have a limited capacity sure. to, to to understand things, to, to yeah. feel things and yeah. to exercise that compassion with everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, that's where I am right now, right? So I used to say that um, I was having this conversation with my best friend the other day. I said, I said to him, I said, do you think that now we're, we're apathetic, right? Um, I used to think that apathy, political apathy, you know, or apathetic, apathy about the economy or current events was the worst thing that could happen to a person. Really? It's your goddamn civic duty to know what's going on. Sure. Right? Because sure. the system is controlling you whether you're aware of it or not, mm-hmm. right? And awareness at least gets you one step ahead of the game. Right? Maybe you're not playing a direct part in that system. Maybe you're not involved in policy or lawmaking or anything. Mm-hmm. Right? But awareness is the least you can do. Mm-hmm. Right? And today's day and right? age, you can you can become aware. You can consume the information. You, you know, can read in, it in a second. Yeah. Sure. Right. Sure. And I I turned to him and I said, "Do you think we're apathetic now? Because we just don't read that stuff anymore, and we don't talk about it anymore. Right, the, the hardware right? do it. It's and and he was just like, "No, I think we're just taking care of our own." Now you have to, right? Right, you have. He's to. married, yeah. right? He has he has to look after his whole family unit. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. And I've also had a rough year, as as a lot of people have, of course. And yeah. uh, and so I think his point was that, like we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. Well, listen, man. After a while, it's just one foot in front of the other, right? You know, and and, and you, inshallah, yeah. you, me, your friend, and everyone else, our loved ones, everyone will eventually discover rediscover the ability to look up at the stars yeah but as yeah. of right now yeah one foot in front of the other yeah right and 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 allah taala gaza mein jo bhi log hain jo kahin pe bhi log yaman mein kahin pe bhi log hain jo bhi takleef mein allah taala sabki takleef aasan kare but yeah. one foot in front of the other dude no of course you, of course you can't you know there's, there's a bit of fear though that does this then just become a way of life for you right you just forget how to look up you just forget how to stop and smell the roses um, because you then just get so caught up in the grind. It's easier to get caught up in the grind. Yar, time hi nahi milta. Sure. That's yaar, a beautiful... Yar, <laughs> routine, good. yar, itna mushkil ho gaya hai. Yeah. Kaam itna hai, phir begum, phir bachche, yar. Time hi nahi milta. You know, like, yeah, I heard about that story, man, but yeah. I just didn't get around to it, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to be... And, and big... I think that's, that's just, that's the worst place to, to you know... End you up still in. think so? I do. So I used to be a big reader. Mm. I used to read a lot. A- anything that you would send my way, I would just consume, right? Yeah. So my friends would send me straight up articles. Mm. Like I'm talking, not op-eds, I'm talking articles, yeah. like academic long articles. Form. Yeah, long form. Yeah, yeah. And I sent all of them. Someone sent me a podcast, now it's a podcast of 3 hours. Now I'm sitting in trouble. And they don't yeah. even give me a timestamp of what I'm supposed to look at. Yeah. But yeah, dude, not anymore. Now, like mid-con, you and I are having a conversation. Yeah. You show me something like, Kazi, this is, pertains to this conversation. Yeah. I'm like, just give me a summary, dude. Yeah. I can't be, not anymore. Yeah. I can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, apathy is a very scary thing. Apathy um, is, 
allegorical is allegorical of uh, what antipsychotics do to you for sure no highs no lows yeah something in the middle right yeah that's right something in the middle and that's what apathy is yeah um it's a scary scary thing for sure it's me koi shak nahi but like your friend said dude just just protect this first yeah and then we'll see we'll sort it yeah. out right inshallah yeah. if we're here yeah um like your it's not even done we'll go back to your immigration story yeah. or lack of immigration story <laughs> uh like it <laughs> like it like like that story you're here yeah. so you can tell me yeah you know i i survived <laughs> alhamdulillah you could have I, not survived unlike the, many others sure right yeah. sure yeah and 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 then and then who am i going to talk to about this yeah if you're not here to tell your story that's right then someone else is going to use it as capital or whatever for sure right? just for so sure. statistics or whatever else yeah no but you're right it is about just like that uh maslow's hierarchy right like, yes um and that's the that's where we are uh where we all are i think going back to basics right? sure um and that's also just a way to cope right yes yes yeah dekho dekhiye abina mai i am enrolled in therapy works which is a uh, mm, i'm aware yeah mm. how are you aware a couple of friends oh cool all right beautiful um wonderful organization yeah. wonderful people yeah. everything's good right um recently we're doing freud yes in mm. depth but also ego psychology ah yes uh ego psychology mein aapko ye bataya jata hai ki id ego super ego mm. so the ego is actually ego has the ego has autonomous functions to protect you that's right right so defense mechanisms are not a bad thing of course right anxieties mm. are not obviously not a good thing but they're also not they're not what we understand them to be colloquially mm. anxieties are uh, identified by the ego on a subconscious level absolutely right absolutely or unconscious or whatever yeah. like it, it just happens it just triggers some things in you yeah. and you just have to protect yourself like i said it's just your body doing whatever to protect it. like humor is one of so banda tha uska main naam bhool raha hu um he came up with the whole list of how many defenses there are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so one of the best kinds of defenses he said uh you could have is uh, mature defenses humor right. is one of them right. altruism right. is another one you know i'll give my life for the all defense yeah. mechanisms yeah. Yeah. you're just trying to make sense of the obscene absurdity uh, uh, obscene absurdity of life yeah that's it agreed absolutely yeah. absolutely and you're right it's even anxieties it's learned behavior sure right sure i've been down that road and it didn't treat me well last time so you know right now i'm going to have a tick every time i see a similar road yeah right um but we wali baat hai jo aap pehle bhi keh rahe the about instincts mm-hmm. um not always right unfortunately yeah more often than not they're not right acha kyun uh, so racism right mm. and i've said this before <laughs> on the podcast racism uh much like most other discriminatory behaviors are based off is based off uh, a fundamental attribution error that's right right yeah you can make a fundamental attribution to even an animal because an animal doesn't have metacognition that's but right. humans do right yeah we have the ability to change mm-hmm. alter ourselves of all course. of that stuff right of course um so it's a fundamental attribution error because say i see you and say you remind me of this bully i used to have in the 5th grade yeah right yeah ab wo triggers ho rahe hain bilkul but that's a fundamental attribution yeah. that's my mind trying to protect itself that's right but then am i taking away the ability to change and grow from yeah. you yeah. to prove me wrong to zahir hai ab puri psychology tabhi field hai psychology tabhi psychologists hote hain yeah yeah no you're right no you're right absolutely absolutely yeah um but but yeah i think i think uh you're absolutely right about 
you know, um, these things that we all carry. Uh, and, and they're all just, uh, you know, they're all very telling of our experiences and our past. Yeah. And I think before uh, we start speaking about your story, you know, and you said, you said, it's cathartic to talk about it. For sure. Right? For sure. But then also you're concerned that someone might sympathize with you. And you don't, obviously not looking for that. Not right? at all. And then I mentioned even there, Kiar, also, it still must exact some kind of cognitive load, right? Definitely. Definitely. This is right? still so, your life. Yeah, man. I was saying earlier as yeah. well, right, that, that I think uh, retelling uh, any any narrative where you're actually drawing from real experience draws that cognitive load for sure, right? So uh, I, I feel it works both ways, that it chips away at me, but mm-hmm. it also chips away at the trauma. And, mm-hmm. and so the catharsis, I feel, mm-hmm. outweighs uh, whatever you know deleterious effects it has because I'm still telling the goddamn story, right? I've been telling the story for for the entire nine years it's, since, since it's happened. But it's your right? story, dude. No, it's my I mean? story, but but it's also about like, you know, do I need to tell everyone? Uh, do I need to tell on this fucking podcast? You know, am I just a bit more open than I need to be? Right? I'll go into a job interview and I'll mention it there as well, and I feel I need to because this is again just an argument I've come up with in my own mind. I feel I need to tell it because I have to contextualize why I don't have a college degree, right? I didn't get the chance to complete it. I was studying to become a biomedical engineer. I was a good student. I had a good life ahead of me. I had Mm -hmm. a good future planned ahead Mm -hmm. of me, right? But life had other plans, right? I was dealt a wholly different set of cards, right? Uh, And I've been, it's been, it's taken me down that road less traveled, like Babur said, right? Which is literally everything I am, the road less traveled, right? Um, Right. and, And so... But again, can I just uh, come up with a more pithy explanation, more palatable explanation? You know what? I can. I know I can. But it's just not as sexy. (laughs) Not as sexy, sure. Because when I tell you, did you know I was deported? It draws you in. Sure. It's it's definitely a good byline. Or, Or, yeah, yeah. It has some pull. Sure. Right? You're intrigued. Right? I've caught your attention, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what I want, mm-hmm. right? I'm a salesperson, generally, mm-hmm. right? In, in my career, in my life as well, right? So uh, I'm absolutely an attention whore, sure. right? And, and I'm absolutely not only looking for an audience as a, as a raconteur, right? But I'm also just looking to, to, you know, fill that role that people have assigned onto me. That yeah, I am that I am that exotic person that you know. Mm-hmm. I am that person with that unique set of experiences uh, that you totally cannot relate to, but you're sa- you're fascinated by, right? And I'm that I'm that enigma. Right? Sure. Which is which is like, what is that? That's that's a, that's an elaborate wall I'm hiding behind. Yeah, it's that, but it's also you owning your experiences. Now, Deko, you said all that, and I agree with all of that. Sure, but. Just in your voice, mm. I hear indignation. In your story, yeah. I hear yeah. indignation. And indignation is very powerful because it's more basic than just rage. It's as basic, I think, as rage or any of these things because yeah. it's not just that It's ki, how dare this happen to me? Yeah. How dare they do that to me? Yeah. As a human being. Yeah. You know, this is what So I hear that. And, you know... Like you said, it's just it's just a powerful thing to be able to tell your story art. Do you want attention? Sure. You know, maybe because 
that there's that kid 19 years old or what have you who's like yaar yaar ye mere sath ho gaya kisi ne roka nahi yaar you know what i mean yeah. and and that's heavy it really is yeah um i can't imagine a dude but, but dekho one of the one of the hallmarks of trauma hmm. when it happens to you is that it develops a little voice in your head because your head one of the basic functions of your brain is to reason hmm. is to give you a reason for why this happened yeah तो जब कोई एक्सटर्नल रीजन नहीं नजर आता ना या तो आप किसी को ब्लेम करो राइट यूएस स्टेट डिपार्टमेंट योर फादर योर मदर राइट आई एम नॉट बीइंग बींगेंट पीपल कम अप ऑल दीज एक्सप्लेनेशंस वो सब भी जब एग्जॉस्ट हो जाते हैं ना फिर दिमाग बोलते हैं यार सैफ एक बात बताऊँ योर लाइक हाँ ब्रेन प्लीज गो हेड है You know what I mean, <laughs> right? That's it's fun. That's what trauma does to you in yeah. actuality. It's yeah. like, but Alhamdulillah, I I see the way you are now, and I see you doing well, and I I am happy that that is not something that crippled you because it cripples a lot of people, right? It happens to them, and they're just like, "Yar, फिर मैं फिर मैं मेहनत की तो लायक यकीनन नहीं हूँ." But what you're saying is there. Of course, it is. Dude. It is there. How could it not be? Right? Maybe it's not overpowering. Because you don't let it. Because you tell your story. Perhaps. Yes. But it is there. course right of course I mean, I, and i and i carry that woe is me type of narrative with me that i i that one i won't publicize okay, but sure, but course. but i carry it with me that um ye to hona hi tha mere sath to ye hona hi tha bro we're all on the precipice of the existential vacuum <laughs> all of yeah, us yeah, are right yeah, yeah of course to of course uh, but what i'm saying is it, it doesn't overpower you only because you fight it and you have to fight it for sure yeah but i i also feel like because you know when these sort of things happen to you mm-hmm. uh, and maybe this is also um, you know a symptom or or an outcome of trauma mm-hmm. is that uh, i feel it also sometimes leads to a lot more recklessness you know sure um, sure right? yeah and and so so i because of that in the last 9 years i've done things I, i've just you know i've been on the precipice for sure but then i've like you know gazed into the event horizon right i've i've passed through and come back right and i can't even tell you like the the depths of of absolute shit that i've thrown myself into um only because it kind of just seemed like a worthwhile exercise at the time sure right no other real reason right right, right. i can come up with a million justifications and tell you why i made those choices that rendered me homeless three times in the last 9 years Fuck. three times right so i would have learned my lesson you would think right? after the first time <laughs> the first after time. you got kicked out of a country man right? i don't know three times i was homeless last time it happened i was it was in 2017 What? when i was trying to set up my own business i was i was obsessed with the idea of setting up my own consultancy i'm never going to make it in the full time job market i'll never earn enough the to realize of a 9 to 5 right yeah and and also to realize the the dreams and the immediate needs that i have in my life right to get enough money to somehow make it out of this country to set up shop in a dubai or hong kong you know get my mom down there get my sister down there um and i and i pursued it so fervently thinking that i'd make it work that i ended up becoming 5 months delinquent on rent right so props to that guy for letting me stay there for 5 months for free mm-hmm. but eventually it was like this is enough mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what was that business about uh it was just a marketing consultancy so not an agency mm-hmm. uh as you typically have i had spotted some white spaces in the market that nobody was really addressing and so the idea was that i would work as a consultant in in a collective with other freelancers and consultants to help both agencies and brands directly right 
everybody I spoke to loved the concept. I managed to get quite a bit of work. I just didn't get the money for that work. Oh, of course, because which, which is what happens in Karachi. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and and so you know, in that, like, it was absolutely insane. And the funniest part about that, I'll tell you, is that I'm now living in the same flat I was kicked out of. <laughs> Dude, but that's turning a frown upside down, buddy. That's right. I was kicked yes. out of this flat in like in Jan 2018 or something like that. Okay. okay. And within two months or three months or so, I had turned it around like well enough to be able to afford the rent. Right. So I was earning enough to pay rent here and, you know, barely cover my expenses and pay all of the many, many debts that I owed month on month. And, you know, I could have found a cheaper place. Right. But I didn't want to. I came back to this guy and I said, look, here's my employment letter, all right? Here's an Excel sheet of a payment plan for the back rent that I owe you, all right? And here's a new agreement that I've made for, you know, me to move back into this apartment, mm -hmm. including an agreement for me to, including a clause that I'm going to pay you back the back rent. And he agreed, right? It was about me reclaiming my space, right? Yes. That's what it was. Yes. Right? Like, yes. And, and, I, and I still live there, you know, and, and I remember it like it was yesterday, mm. You know, um, and you know, yeah, about you, you know, you, we, we keep talking about the the, the misanthrope mm -hmm. theme, right? About how much we both hate people. Yes. You know, Pakistan me, Pakistan me. I, I mean, I grew up in Houston. Okay. Right? I spent my most formative years in Houston. Yes. Right. It's a very diverse metropolitan city. People outside don't realize it's the fourth largest, all right? And it's very, very multicultural, heard, dude, right? Heard, it's yeah, a proper yeah. New York. The only difference is it's spread out. It's yeah. bigger than Karachi, yes. right? So there's no skyscrapers. I mean, small downtown area that has it, but otherwise it's very spread out, right? Large city. Um, but you've got immigrants from all over the world, right? And in my one school that I went to, inner city, urban, low-income school, there were 70 nationalities represented in my school. Jeez, dude. 40 languages. Can you name 40 languages? No. no. I tried. <laughs> it's not easy. No, no, Right? No, 40 no. languages spoken in my school. So yes. I, I went to school with, like, kids speaking Swahili, you know, from Nigeria, from Kenya, from Iraq, from Yemen, right, from Australia, everywhere. Yes. And what is that? What does that give you? It gives you diversity of experience. Diversity of experience and diversity of people uh, teaches you more about the world and more about yourself than you can learn through any other medium. Pakistan me any. Because there's a right and there's a wrong in Pakistan. But in general, there's no diversity of experience. No. In my experience, in my view, there's about six to eight archetypes of people that exist. Yes. Right? There are very, very astronomically few people like you or maybe like me that don't fit the mold of those eight archetypes. ہاںٹ Full circle, going back to where we were. Mm -hmm. The story. Yes. We need to finish it. Yeah. In this environment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just holds so much currency. <laughs> sure, dude. Okay. You know, imagine right. in school, in yeah. school, in, cl in class, right? This Iraqi kid is telling me about how he 
filed for asylum and got it because we're trading the story. Like, you know, I filed for asylum. I didn't get it. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm probably going to be deported within a year or something. He's like, yeah, I got my asylum. And he's telling me about his life. He used to live in like in central Baghdad, right? And how his family escaped that, right? Yeah. His family was Shia. Right? Oh, wow. Fun. Right? Yeah. And they're telling me about like his experience just growing up there. Right. His memory of the U.S. first invading and what that was like, his memory of the civil war breaking out. Right. And how they managed to escape, uh, you know, move to a bordering country first, then got a ticket, came over, filed for asylum. And he deserves asylum. Yes. He genuinely deserves asylum. Yes. Right. So in that environment, you're like, oh, well, you know, did you know that I got deported? For- <laughs> ah, say yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know? Join the club. Actually, we meet after school on Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I'm saying. It's 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 it's, uh, it's still currency. It's it's currency, and and so anything I said about other people, external people, trivializing it or or you know commoditizing it, oh, I'm the one doing that. If anyone, it's me. <laughs> I'm the one cashing it in. Uh, you <laughs> know. Here's the thing. I think there is nothing more powerful than someone who's at home with themselves. <laughs> there is no one who I would fear hmm. more than someone who's like, to. because then then it's a fight, yeah. you know? Then it's a straight up fight yeah. because there's nothing that's going to work on this person. That's right. He's like, Achha, theke, to. Do you know? So still power. Yeah. Still powerful, yes. Yeah, no, yes. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so voluntary departure. Sure. We denied. <laughs> what right? The fuck, dude? No, we denied. Well, there was a whole strategy, right? We're okay. buying time. Okay, still, okay. I'm still in tenth grade. Okay. Right? Only like four or five months have passed. Do you think you could have said that to them? No. No, of course not. No. No. To judge law? Come on, dude. <laughs> no. Right? Maybe judge if I had law. like maybe if I had like Judge Judy or someone <laughs> of the Softies. Side you know? like, Oh, pure, poor cutie, right? Now. No, Judge, Judge was, Justice. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe him. This guy's like, no. Like, he's just like, he was an asshole. Yeah, dude. Like, apps, and he was an actual, like, stickler about everything. Like, you showed up two minutes late. Like, yeah. that kind of guy. Right? Happens when you're surviving napalm. <laughs> <laughs> it was there to be made. That's, I made it. It's going to be between you and me. Say it. That's, that's, uh,. <laughs> That's racist. Politically incorrect. <laughs> that one is uh, good. So, so I, we denied, right? We're like, right. nah, you can keep that departure to yourself. Um, we've got a case. So the beauty of the American court system is appeal on appeal on appeal on appeal, right? Um, now, again, I'm very cognizant at that stage uh, of the fact that even in the appeals process, ICE, they're called ICE, um, and it sounds cool quite literally, yes. but it stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Not cool at all. They're very bad people, yes. okay? Yes. Um, and, and you know, if you've ever watched any sort of, like, Hispanic TV show or film uh, set in, in the U.S., um, you you will have known them as La Migra. La Migra. La Migra. Right? Which means the immigration. Oh, right? the immigration. Right? La Migra está aquí. Like, they've arrived. Oh. Like, Migra's coming. Run. Right? Everything in that language yeah. is just... So good. Oh, yeah. I wish I had, like, oh, yeah. just a Spanish name. Like, I don't know what I'd be yeah, called. Like Jose? Like what? No, dude, no, no. Right? Something like... Right, something. So, you know, we get mixed up with Hispanics all the time. Because we very, do, yeah. Very yeah, similar yeah. features, yeah. yeah. I... Yeah, this is another thing. This is another function of the post-colonial fugue that we find ourselves in. Hmm. 
کوئی بھی ہوں لیکن پاکستانی نہ ہوں نا تو میں واز ان ملیشیا آئی بی کالڈ اے کپل آف تھنگس آئی ریدر بی کالڈ اٹالین ایف آئی شیو کمپلیٹلی اٹالین آئی کین سی دیٹ موراکن آئی واز لائک آئی واز لائک گیو می ور Yes, Persian, of course, sure, right? Sure. And then when I moved to Canada, mm. now I'm too dark to actually be Italian. So they're like, oh, Sicilian? I'm like, take it, dude. Uh. I'm gonna take Sicilian. <laughs> you know? Very recently, I was like, no, I'm a Pakistani. I'm a Karachi. Everyone looks like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, I mean, if anyone can relate to that, like identity crisis, man. Growing up in Houston, you know, and I'm telling you, it's as multicultural as it is, right? Yes, um, yes. yes. still find a way to hate yourself <laughs> man and i you know i'm just not proud of this like i i told people i was indian for many years many years right because indians just have a better rep in the us just do man what are you right? going to do right pakistanis so of course americans are uh, the stupidest people in the world in case you didn't know right now um, i do <laughs> right like i i i studied this I this have, is statistics I have, i have empirical evidence <laughs> of course right i'll oh. email it to you oh, yes um, stupidest in the world right and to them pakistan is just part of the middle east right which is like one monolith by the way Did of you course know it's just one just yeah one yeah, monolith I, I knew that. where it's like 90 desert and camels yes right? no wi-fi no none none no of roads course. right of course so that's what it is in their minds and and you can't blame them right it's that their opinion is formulated by whatever they say in media, yeah, right? Yeah, also, just because you have English, it does not mean that you're educated. Of course. If you ask someone from a village, what will they tell you about America? Of course. It's the same thing. Same scenario, yeah. right? The only reason we criticize them for it is because in today's day and age, with access to internet, ignorance is a choice. Powerful. Right? Sure. Right? Sure. So, and usually driven from apathy. Right? Like, oh, I couldn't be bothered to check where Pakistan is. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Entitlement. Because we're going to them, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, you're coming to me, you culture to learn Yeah. But my culture's older, prettier, more diverse, yeah. more heavy, uh, more high context. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You came here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Except they don't have a culture. They really don't. Their culture is an amalgamation of all of our cultures. The Moroccans, the Italians, the Indians, the fucking Nigerians. Right? Yeah. They don't have a culture. No, What's their culture? Hamburgers and jeans? Hamburgers are German. <laughs> okay. Jeans, I don't know. Je- jeans, probably American. Okay. All right. They gave you that. There you go. That's something. Right. I like jeans. Jazz originated in America. It came from not America, though. <laughs> yeah. It picked up steam. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm with you. There's yeah. no, you know. By the way, another great realization that I, I, I love to... you know give to people to just to fuck with them is that rock music you like rock music sure. you ever appreciate any hendrix or beatles yes. right rock music is purely british yes yes it is yeah right. people yeah apart they... from hendrix chalo na but w- w- what conventions was he following also he was just Every, a genius the clash <laughs> the beatles the stone everyone yeah the who yeah everyone yeah rock and roll british. is purely british yeah people don't realize this سب گورے ایک جیسے ہوتے ہیں نا بھائی سب گورے ایک جیسے ہوتے ہیں جس گو سے شو یو ہاؤ پاپولر اور ہاؤ پاورفل دی امیریکن پاپ کلچر مشین از یار جسٹ دیٹ میڈیا جسٹ دیٹ امیریکن میڈیا نو بٹ دے ریئلائز دا پاور آف دس اینڈ دے اسٹارٹ ایکسپورٹنگ دس ایکٹیولی ایم شو یو ریڈ اباؤٹ دیٹ سی آئی پروگرام وے دے ور سینڈنگ funding artists and jazz musicians to travel around the world. Right, yeah. Why the fuck is the CIA funding this? 
for obvious reasons, dude. It's indoctrination. I, I heard, I indoctrination. Heard, I heard that specially for South Korea. Mm. South Korea but around and, the world. Yeah. 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 You know, and aap aise socho na, we uh, here in Pakistan, even just let's just take our own example. We love to hate America. Yeah. Right. Ek gora aap samne to dikha do. Oh, sir. 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 Paun chumlo. Yeah. Ji What is that, dude? This. Hamen aadat hai na? Hamen aadat hai. Hamare khun mein. Huh. Hamare khun mein. Um, right. And that's why then these, you know. Ava, whatever the fucks, will come to Pakistan. Like, oh my God, it's the best country, right? Yeah, it is for you, <laughs> dude. Okay, funny story. I tell it to everyone. Yeah, it's funny to me, right? Yeah. So you know who Irfan Junaidjo is. Mm-hmm. Irfan Junaidjo, Irfan Bhai. Um, I didn't know him back then, but even back then, he might have had seven hundred thousand followers on YouTube. Okay, right? back 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 when. When Ava was still here. Okay, okay. Two, three years old. Two, three years old. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, it's not yeah. that. Yeah. Usme, I didn't start a It was not even a thought. Hmm. Uh, I remember watching on some show, किसी hmm. show legacy media के किसी show पे उनको बुलाया हुआ था. Okay, yeah. Might have been Dawn. Yeah. Uh, Dawn's known to do that, ना interact yeah, yeah, with the social sure. media. For sure. Beautiful, right? For sure. So, uh, but clearly the positioning of the guests was such that uh, Ava was who they wanted to speak to, mm-hmm. and Irfan Bhai, if you've seen him, वैसे भी he's very he's like okay fine, right? Yeah, yeah. He's introverted. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If you don't yeah. talk to me, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No? I'm cool. Um, Back then, Ava might have had two hundred thousand, which is big for people like us. But sure. compared to seven hundred thousand, it's not so big, it's right? Not, yeah. Uh, so they ask her a question, and the response she gives is uh, ask her a question about legitimacy and hmm. you know how do brands interact with you? And she goes, you know, I want local vloggers like Irfan to do well as well. Thank you for putting your head a hand wow. on our head. <laughs> wow. Ashirwad de diye. Oi to. Wow. And you know, Irfan bhai doesn't even remember and I'm like, yeah, because you know, your future's too bright. You can't see this shit, but the rest of us, you know, we're like, well, what's going on, man? Jesus. Yeah, dude. Why just the bravado of 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 well, anyway, I mean, white people look. White people I mean, at least they're beginning to realize some of them, the smart dude, ones. Some of my best right? friends are white. Right? Hmm. Chris Christopher Di Pietro Antonio is mm. an Italian but he's he's Canadian right okay. he's okay. one of my best friends yeah yes there's beautiful white people but on average they're not doing so it's good. a problem man yeah, it's a problem so yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and even jobs. the ones that are even the ones that are woke um are just a little too woke You know, like yeah, that's like you said. Right. Na, that's currency as well, no? Yeah, that's currency. You know, political correctness is currency. Uh, the language of mental health, the lexicon of mental health, is also currency. Um, virtue signaling is absolutely a thing. What? The, where are we living, dude? You Everyone's know? just point scoring. Everyone's, It's about likes. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Which is why I'm a ghost on social media, by the way. Yeah, we, right. we didn't need to get into right. that. So you're just a ghost on social media. But I, I, I have a Facebook profile. Yeah, that's the fun part, yeah. right? So it's uh, it started as that. Like, look, I spend too much time on these platforms anyway for work. Sure. So it is, I, I, and I know what goes on uh, on the other side of it, right? Right. Uh, right. I'm the one, like, you know. Doing it. Right, doing it, right? Like, uh, at least partially responsible for it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I'm, I am a cog in that machine, right? In that, in that, in that uh, corporate industrial complex, right? Yep. I've had arguments with some of the closest people to me, mm. some brilliant people. Seth, I cannot emphasize upon you, brilliant people. But when I try to show them this, look, the first thing when you get out of bed cannot be Instagram. 
Agreed. I love I love Instagram. Agreed. I wish I had I pray to have lots of followers on Instagram. Mera kaam hai ye. Aur mere kaam ke liye bahut zaruri hai ye. Inshallah. Um first thing and the last thing before you go to sleep cannot be Instagram. Cannot be it. No. It's bad you're, for your soul. Your soul, not even just your brain. Your soul, you're destroying yeah. yourself, right? It's so difficult to pull people out. They just have to you have to let them come to it themselves. Yeah. And so again talking about currency and commoditization. Mhm. everything every fabric of of our socialization our consumerism our eating habits our exercising our most private moments it's all commoditized it's all commoditized right and for what you shame to not share dude could do you have something to hide no bitch it's my bathroom time <laughs> don't have yeah, so i i get i get like ostracized for this really? right because i'll meet new people like yourself like you very just casually asked if i have an instagram right what's my instagram handle and uh, i have a profile for work <laughs> you have to yeah <laughs> right it it uh, exists of three photos right consists of three photos that have been posted on it like 6 years ago i think that are just there for filler content it's not any reflection of who i am or anything no. um and i you know it's it's not accepted right so within our fabric especially within our echelon right padhe likhe defense clifton ke burger bacche angrezi bol rahe hain angrezi bol rahe hain yaar you don't have an insta mm-hmm. bro where's your insta right why is it empty right bro i tried to tag you but you're not even like are you even active are you going to read my dms bro? i love that accent right? <laughs> and and it's like you know like um uh the best accent in karachi by far is the kgs accent by the way <laughs> but yes um, Yes. yes, I I love it. I love the fact that within KGS exists a microcosm within a microcosm of kids that are somehow still coming out thinking they're Brits, right? Could I have some water, right? Like, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you right? doing? Afflicted accents, just just like I think they're hilarious, yeah, yeah. hilarious, yeah, right? So, funny. <laughs> um, people will think I have an afflicted accent. My accent's now actually a bit much much softer than it was. Um, and i had to tone it down yeah yeah just to fit in yeah. you know um i've been told i have an accent you do do it you do fuck you it's not a karachi <laughs> it's not a karachi accent that no. it's not anything bad man like Dude, look, it really is it like, it you're, really you're some is of it. your experiences man you talk the way you talk yeah. right like yeah. and often like i'll 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 you know use euphemisms or colloquialisms that just don't like people will be talking about some serious thing like yeah right on no i'm with you and pe- some people are like right on what, what do you mean right on what's right i'm telling you about my fucking father who's sick You're saying right on. I'm yeah, like I can't help it. I'm like no, yeah. right on is like yeah, like I completely understand you're your there. point. You're there. Yes. I'm with you. Yes. I'm present. I'm acknowledging what you're saying. Yeah, we But it's an Americanism. For sure. I think I think hum jo hai na meta linguistic inquiry bahut kam karte hain. Yeah. So we hardly ever think about why we're saying what we're saying. Yeah. And we're yet we're so taken by the idea of language as a commodity. For sure. As what we've been talking For about sure. ki that accent your accent i'm sure uh goes a long way with a lot of people this is currency bro yes. in a country with a complex yes uh, with english yes we have a complex yes. about english oh yeah 100% right? post colonial it's yes. very much the, the the new caste system that exists today is whether you speak english or not yes sir and then further you know administrations between that is how well do you speak english sure and and right? yeah how you pronounce certain words right. do you have that twang the only reason i'm a, i i've been you know uh, successful one of the primary reasons i've had a successful career primary reason i get invited to the parties that i do primary reason that i have friends amongst the elite of pakistan Mashallah. and of karachi yeah. 
is there's no mashallah in that. Please take that back, <laughs> right? right? Um, it's a bad is, thing, you say? Is only because of the fact that they feel like I, I, I just sound like one of them, right? You, right? you give yourself little, you're giving yourself no credit at all. No, 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 no. I'm saying that, look, and I ran a social experiment, all right? Now, all right, you're going you're gonna to like this. Okay, all right. Cool. You're going to like this. Right. So, do you remember T2F, mm-hmm. the second floor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sabine was a close friend, mm-hmm. um, and well, I'd rather not talk about I'll that. But, but mm-hmm. uh, I used to hang out there all the time okay. when I first arrived, okay. right? I found that place, uh, you know, it's funny how I actually, I, I reached out, I had just been deported, right? Um, and I had been forced to leave, um, before my expected date. So the time that I had set aside to do my research and my planning for what I was going to do when I landed here, I didn't do. Of course. Right? Yeah. So I landed here with nothing, no idea of what's going to happen, what the place is like, where to go, who to meet. Um, I landed here, I, I used my, you know, I was, I, I, by the way, when I landed here, I ended up in Golimar. What? Do you know what Golimar is? It's a jail, dude. No, Golimar, yaar, ilaka hai. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Gulimar, uh, do you know where uh, the sanitary market is? No. Do you know where Nazmabad is? Yes. Okay, Gulimar is like the asshole of Nazmabad. <laughs> right. right, just the asshole. Just, yeah, just. Just that. Right, so. Technical description. Um, description. And I lived deep within Gulimar. I spent two and a half years living there. Deep the in that asshole. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you said it, dude, not me. So not a nice place to live, no, right? No. Um, so I, I used to fire up the the cable net access that we had, and I sent messages to random Pakistanis that I knew in Houston. Like, do you know anyone in Karachi oh who may be a kindred spirit that I could reach out to? Just talk to. Just to understand like what the lay of the land is, right? Um, mind you, I landed here and I didn't find a single person that I could speak English with for about a month. Wow. Right, so it was a bit weird, but um, nevertheless, I did manage to get introduced to someone uh, who ended up becoming a huge like social hub for me because he connected me to to people who are now my best friends to this day. Beautiful, right? So I owe a lot to that guy, and he invited me to T2F. And the moment I landed in that place, I was like, "This is like a cafe in Houston, right? In the artsy fartsy area. Right. Like this, is, this reminds me of that exactly. Yeah, right. We must be so reverent of spaces like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In Karachi, mein. yeah, yeah. But maybe, I feel that maybe they just can't advertise themselves. Up, up to the lockdown, but yeah. they can't make themselves apparent. Yeah. Um, but I am, mira. So I had a stomach condition. So I, I had a, I had a health problem, which. Hmm did not allow me to travel okay just move about in the city but yeah. recently alhamdulillah uh it's gotten better and i am on the prowl for those spaces good. right yeah good uh, sure yeah please uh, so yeah, and exactly yeah, right yeah. and it was it was it was a hub for like kindred spirits yeah, like you and me right talking. and i think the first time the second time i was there i was attending this concert um of a bunch of these indie bands right and I'm, I'm a musician. I'm huge, huge, like, on live music and, and all these things, right? I fucked this conversation because um, you're supposed to introduce yourself. So, huh, I'm just letting you know now. Okay. Now we're just going. No, it's huh. fine. Huh. It's yeah, fine. Sorry. We can maybe, I can mention it at the end. Yeah. If anyone wants to, you know... Uh, or or, or we could do we could do a good intro. Right. You, you can sit here and sit in the intro. But please, yeah, so you're a sure. musician? Sure. Yeah. What do you play? I play guitar. Um, cool. I play ukulele. I do a little bit of hand percussion. Uh, I try to sing as well, um, and when I so and I was I was huge, uh, a huge part of the local uh, indie music scene in Houston. You know, I was at 
almost every live show that I could attend. I'm just I'm just obsessed with live music, That's right? That's awesome. Live and music, though, live in music, particular. In particular, right? Cool. So I landed here and I and I go to T2F and it's like a lineup of three or four bands, right? Indie bands. And with like weird names as well, like Kire Makore, you know? <laughs> um, right? Kire Makore is a recent band, but um, I forget. Jumbo Jut. Jumbo, Jumbo Jut. Jut. Yeah. Um, Orange Noise. Okay. And Patani Ek Do Arthe, right? And I listened to these guys and I was like, they're good. <laughs> these, what, this is happening in Karachi? In T2F? This is good. Yes. And then Orange Noise comes on and they're playing noise. Like, <laughs> There's a noise band in Karachi. They're, they're playing shoegaze, right? And like these are these are niche genres. Sure. And I'm like, what is happening, right? Yeah. Um, so it was a huge turning point for me, and and I just decided this is my home away from home, and I'm now going to be here all the time, um, which is what I, what I did, right? And what I would do often, coming back to my social experiment, is if you remember, there was this balcony upstairs for for smokers, right? Sure. Right. I would just go there alone. Very, like way too often, um, sit there with a book or something where I'd be writing in my journal um, and I'd just be chain smoking and drinking like four coffees in, in two hours um, and maybe I'll be able to strike up a conversation with someone, right? That was a secondary benefit. I just, but I just loved the energy of the place, right? And right. I loved the kind of people it attracted. So even if they were just, just being around them, just softness, nice. right? Just yeah. softness. Just yeah. a little bit of... Softness and also like just that uh, general like artistic inclination, sure. right? Um, sort of bohemian, right? Sure. And that is exactly the community that I was very involved in in Houston. Sure. So it reminded me of back home, right? Um, and that itself was, was cathartic. And, and you know, so by then I'd, I'd gotten a job and I'd made a couple of friends, um, but I really felt that I was being given special treatment or at the very least being treated differently because of how I spoke English. Right, of course. And I thought, no. No. <laughs> These people can't be that basic. Right? Come on, Seth, you're being a bit harsh. Okay. Right? You got to cut them some slack. And I said, look, the only way to prove it is to collect some empirical data. Right? Now, I mean, this is like the shittiest experiment ever. But it was really simple, right? On average, I would meet two to four people every time I would be there. Right? And I would speak to them from anywhere from for five minutes to hours. Okay. Okay. Um, and I thought, look, let's do it in a way where I just randomly divide my conversations to to be either entirely in Urdu, right? Because wajit mein bhi burger hain, wajit mein bhi defense ke bache, mummy daddy hain jo bhi hain. Urdu sab samajhte hain. Sahi. Thik hai. Sahi. Aur maine kasam khali thi ki aage se banda agar har jumle ka jawab bhi Englishi mein de raha hai na, maine Urdu mein baat karni hai. Jao, jao dafao. Thik hai. And Equally, some conversations will be entirely in English, the way I naturally speak English, and we'll do it that way and, and see and compare results. It was stark. It was stark. It was stark. It was yeah. stark. Yes. Right? So what I learned early on was that generally when an average Pakistani will meet you for the first time, they'll, they'll somehow, in their own words, ask you what you do, and then they'll ask you uh, where you live, um, or they may ask, these are interchangeable, uh, what your father does, right? And these are just ways to size you up. Right. Right? of Karade. Ji. Right? But also, like, where do you stand? Are you worth my time? Are you worth a lot of my time? Like, are you above me? Should or, I be nice to you? Or are you like, uh, or are you like at the same yeah. level? What, what are you? Do right? I treat you like shit? Right? Because this is, this is a caste-minded society. That's what it right? is. Right? We're, we're used to those uh, socioeconomic, like, you know, classifications. That's it. So, if you have to do Urdu, you know, where you have to do Urdu, 
तो मैं कहता था जी मैं एक छोटी सी मार्केटिंग कंपनी में नौकरी करता हूँ इधर डालमिया मेरा ऑफिस है सब सच है ठीक है अच्छा आप कहाँ रहते हैं मैं गोली मार में रहता हूँ अच्छा गोली मार में रहते हैं जी जी ठीक ठीक और आपके वालद साहब मेरे वालद साहब तो फिलहाल कुछ नहीं कर रहे हैं घर पर हैं वो पहले वो कई सालों से ड्राइवरी की नौकरी कर रहे थे अच्छा ठीक है एंड आई कैन नॉट थल यू द नंबर ऑफ टाइम्स द कॉन्वर्सेशन एंडेड राइट देर राइट right we're standing in a space it's about half the size of this room and uh, you know generally i'm the only weirdo that's that's coming over there alone right so two people are there they're both talking to me or one of them is engaged with me and they'll be like yeah ha to osama you know that thing we were talking about right like, that's ridiculous right? dude i can't make this up no of course not right? like no, no, this no. is this happened to me on multiple occasions pardon right? yeah dekho my surprise is is also a cognitive dissonance i obviously know yeah. that that happens right yeah. of course yes right it's ridiculous but uh and then so i did this with maybe 5 10 people in urdu 5 10 people in english i saw a stark difference right and the ones i spoke to in urdu i didn't let on that i'm from america or i speak english really well or any of this you were good with it right yeah. i was yeah. i was true to the story yeah. that i do live in golimar this is where what i do right now and i'm nothing about my past right but all fact though all fact yes all fact i wouldn't embellish or anything no. right that wouldn't be scientific yes, right for scientists now what's happening what happened after that was i modified the experiment to where i would introduce myself in urdu right um and naturally those people would still pull away but if if they stuck around You'd for a while start. like they go back in maybe they come back out for another smoke i'd be like hey by the way what are you reading right and like oh you know and this game you know blah blah, blah right whatever and <laughs> then I'm chiming in if like oh you know I read that in 2012 I didn't really like it too much right we're like oh wait aap kahan se acha aap Houston se hai acha mere bhi chachu ke mamu ka beta wahan rehta hai right the moment you establish your credentials then they have to establish relevance i can't tell you the amount of times i'll tell someone i used to live in Houston and then they'll come up with some completely irrelevant distant relative or or the fact that they once visited Houston you know 20 years ago or some shit like that they just want to be associated with G. it with you g that's strange and it? and so that established it for me right and so at that point i had a decision to make right um am i cashing it in or should i just like be try to be you know try to be more honest take the most honest route right um and and it kind of put me in a in an unnecessary ethical quandary <laughs> <laughs> it is unnecessary, dude. It is unnecessary. Take I, every I, advantage you can get. What are you going to do? I was completely overthinking that whole situation, yeah. and and um, I I'm assuming you can guess that I chose to cash it in, right? I was like, look, I I've been I I drew a short straw, right? I'm here in a difficult environment. I'm trying to navigate this entirely on my own. No daddy's connections, no family connections, yeah. Yeah. right? Anything I have today, it's because of my own. achievements and the help of a very few close friends that have gone to extreme lengths to help me out and to support me like these people have saved my life on multiple occasions that's a beautiful thing to multiple occasions like jitna in logon ne kiya hai you know family doesn't even do this no much. no 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 family you know especially in karachi you know the family gets interesting so i i really lucked out with these yeah, people mashallah. you know mashallah. um it, there was a it wasn't even an experiment it was just an instagram post and that's also an experiment now uh <laughs> it's uh so 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 they, they they ask you like all right they're like all right imagine uh being a loner for the rest of your life never find never finding anyone romantically you know <laughs> okay mm. now imagine spending 
your entire life alone without any friends. Oh God. Right? Right? Okay. That's what it is, right? Yeah. At some point. And ideally, you want to have a romance that's also a friendship. Ideally. Ideally, ideally. right? But that being without friends part. Yeah. I can be celibate. I can't live without friends. That's, yeah. It's kind of really scary. Horrific. Yeah. 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 And in the end, Allah kare har kisi ko do teen achche naseeb ho jai. Ji. You know, versus Ji. the quantity mindset or what have you. Ji. Um, we were at, still at your story. You did not take the volunteer. You're like, we're yeah. not going anywhere. I, I love how it's just punctuated by just random deliberations. Bro, on, you on, have on, to, man. On, uh, <laughs> we're talking. Yeah, it's organic. Yes. Um, right. So we denied the voluntary departure. We agreed to move forward with the asylum um, appeals now. Okay. And it was a bit ridiculous because the, just the amount of, of appeals that are available to you. <laughs> You know, and we abused that system like anything, mm-hmm. right? We first filed an, an appeal to reopen, right? Like like the judge law just didn't do this right. Mr. Right? Law. Right, he doesn't know what's going on. He didn't review the evidence or whatever. Um, and I think during, while that appeal is still pending, so a few months after uh, the, 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 the last decision on our case where he offered voluntary departure, our attorney died. Oh, man. Right? Like, I'm telling you, like, he no, was... No, you really can't make this up, right? though. No, I did tell you he was on the precipice. Like, he was on the cusp, right? Sure. I mean, he was you so said bad. You said being senile, though. <laughs> it's just death. Yeah, senile, but he was an octogenarian, man, or late 70s or whatever. Same difference, right? And and septuagenarian. But th- the point is that this guy was not well, okay? We knew that. And it was so bad that my mom had to do most of the secretarial work. She was the one filling out most of the paperwork. Oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot to tell you. In court, in court... Judge Law reams this guy a new asshole because he didn't file a separate petition for my sister. And Judge Law is like, why would you not? F- I, s- I see one for Seth. I see one for their father, Irshad. Where's, th- where's the girl's petition? And Willie's like, but she's 11 and she rides on the father's petition. He's like, no, what world are you living in front of all of us, in front of a full courtroom? This guy is just like giving it to him, right? And it was that moment we realized like, we've really fucked up with this guy. Right. And and at that point, I spoke up. I remember I asked him for an extension. He's like, no, what world are you living in? There's no extension. This is your lawyer's fault. Right. You can file an appeal, but I'm moving forward with the case. Oh, come you on, can't dude. waste the court's time. Come on, Judge Law. Right? Judge Law. Right. Oh, if you're seeing this, Judge Law, like, um, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, and so the guy died. When the guy died, we filed a Lazada motion, which is basically an argument that our lawyer was not mentally fit, mentally or physically fit, so we never got a fair trial, right? And no better argument than the fact, like, look at this application and look at the judge's remarks and the fact that he failed to file a petition for one of three people yeah. on the docket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a pretty big mistake. Yeah, sure. Um, so we thought we had, we had a case there. Um, denied, denied. Another appeal on the appeal. Denied, denied, whatever. This has kept happening, right? And so this is like now the end of t- 2008, right? And from that point on, we're kind of just coasting, right? Randomly, a letter will come in the mail. Your appeal has been denied or an update on your appeal or whatever. Then we appeal to the Board of Immigrations. Then we appeal in the Ninth, ninth Circuit and that circuit and this circuit, right? It's Circuit City. Yes. Everywhere, yes, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, and again, we're buying time, so it's this, this is Mission Impossible becoming possible. Yes. How's right? your education going well? So I'm in school, right? And it's, look, when you're 16, uh, everything, anything bad 
you know, it seems world-ending, right? It yes. seems earth-shattering, as yes. it is, right? Your, your uh, emotions are running so yes. high. So this really defined me for, I think, the first year that it was happening, right? Um, everybody around me knew. I was always uh, as open as I am today. Um, and I, I enjoyed a very close relationship with the faculty of my high school. Just a precocious kid, right, um, who didn't fit in sure. with the others. Because this was, a, like I said, a, a low-income inner-city urban school. So not, they, were, they were warm. Not a lot of good students. Also that. Right? Also that, right? Also that. Um, and the teachers were warm. They had to be to survive in that, in that climate. That was a rough school. We had gangs in my school. Right. We had a room in my school. We had cops. Uh, so Houston Independent School District has its own HISD police, carry guns, handcuffs. Right. They're needed. They're needed. Oh, wow, They're dude. needed. Uh, and we had a room in my school where a couple of these gang members, if they would ever act out on campus, bring some drugs, bring a weapon, get into a fight with a conflicting gang, et cetera, et cetera. They'd be taken to that room. That was boarded up, so it had a, every school door has a window yes, on the door. Yes, except that one. Right? It has a window boarded up. Oh. It's boarded up. Um, and the cops would just go to town. Beat them up? Yeah. Kids? Look, man, these aren't kids. Okay? Okay? At 16, 17, right, they're more buff than you or me combined. Oh. Right? These are kids that have decided, you know, these are kids that have pledged allegiance to a gang. Right? Oh, so they're living the life. Okay, and to them it's no big deal. They'll get their ass kicked. The next day they'll go back and do it again. It's just a way of life for them. Mm -hmm. But this is the environment of my school, oh, right? right? Okay, yeah. uh, a lot of illegal aliens in sure, my school. Of course. So when I went to my, you know, teachers and everything, that, I mean, I was fortunate. They knew how to deal with it. You know. They'd seen it before. They'd seen it before. They knew the right questions to ask. Like, okay, did you go to immigration court? Okay, which hearing did you have? Okay, who's your lawyer? Ah, oh, okay. Right. See, that's beautiful. Are you yeah. in touch with any of them? No, I wish I was. Oh, dude, that would have been nice, right? I wish I was. That, that, I, that could, I could get in touch. I think I, think I could get in touch. I, I will now have to because I need some documents from my school and they're not complying. So I think <laughs> I'll have to, have to reach out. But um, they were really good people. These were really, really good people. Um, good white people. Sure. Yeah. Really good white people. Yeah. Most of them were white. Um, and they saved my life in a way. You know, um, and I can't tell you the amount of time these people put into just taking care of me, just counseling me, right. just, you know, just sitting. With, I, I can't tell you the amount of times I would sit in their classrooms, you know, way past the, the you know, the days over, way past the time that everybody has left campus. Dude, and I'm just that's all you need. Yeah, man. And I'm just sitting there weeping. Right. Oh. And, and they're just sitting there. Right. They're not doing their work. Right. They're there with me. They're fully just, you know, sitting there watching me weep. Right. Because that's actually all I needed in that moment, right? Um, so I spent a year being consumed by it. Uh, then the story takes a very positive turn. Okay. But I don't like uh, this part of the story. What? So a while into it, right, you know, everybody had been telling me, like, you know, have you spoken to David Johnston about this? Everybody at school. David Johnston was the in-house in college counselor. Okay. Right? So he ran the college center. And its purpose was to help kids apply 
to universities to, for scholarships, for you know, extracurricular learning programs, X, Y, Z, right? Sure, sure. And especially in lower income schools like this, HISD would fund these programs. Like, cause you, you gotta push these kids to get into college, right? Yeah. They need yeah. that support, yeah. right? And in my school, of course, we, we did have, have some high performing kids as well. So they especially needed that, um, you know? And it was really good. It was a really good uh, system. And everybody kept telling me, you need to go talk to Johnston and tell him your story. And I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't really know Johnston, right? Yeah. I told the ones I'm friendly with, right? I've seen Johnston around. I don't know. I want to go sit down with I him. I know Mark. Right? Yeah. That piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sit down with David and tell him my story. Like, who's this guy, right? And, you know, I think it had always been a year or, or about that time that I, um, I went and I sat down with him. I don't know why. I just remembered the one time I was late to school. This one time I was late to school and one of my teachers messaged me, texted me, like, Seth, is everything okay? Where are you? And I'm, I was just, I woke up late or something or I was goofing off. I don't, I was something completely frivolous. Yeah. And I messaged her that immigration's at my door. Oh, wow, dude. For no reason. You're a horrible person, Seth. Right? <laughs> I ruined that woman's entire month, I think. I can't tell you how livid she was. <sighs> right? But again, you're just like, like you said, coping. Yeah. Humor. yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I eventually went to Johnston and I said, all right, look, I've been hearing a lot about you and apparently I should be telling you this story. So here it is. Um, right. And I was I was a bit indignant with him as well, not knowing, not knowing who he is. So he listened to my entire story and then he tells me his own credentials. So at that time, the one piece of legislation that I mentioned, I hinted at early on um, that would have. Uh, saved, you know, minors like myself and my sister, um, was called the Dream Act. Okay, aptly named. Oh wow! And the, the, do you know about this? No, it's just okay. a heavy name. Yeah, the 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 <clears throat> basic tenets of the Dream Act were: young kids who were brought into the U.S. illegally or overstayed and became illegal aliens, um, but have no but had no criminal record. Okay, were still under the age of eighteen. Um, uh, at the time of at the time of application for for uh, you know dream uh, had been in school the entire time because by the way you know this right whether you're illegal or legal within the U.S. you have to be in school. That's a beautiful thing. Isn't George it? Bush. So people shit on George Bush all the time. He did some work. He did some work, right? I'm anti-Bush, as I should be. Sure. Okay, but I mean, in in today's day and age where we can have a presidency like Trump, you know, and, and go through that, George Bush. It's important to acknowledge the guy did some work. Yeah. He passed an act called No Child Left Behind, oh, which made it mandatory. These fucking names, dude, you're getting me. These are the names, which oh. made it mandatory for every kid to attend school, no matter their legal status, their income, their creed, their religion, whatever. And if their kid, if a kid is not in school, the parent can be fined and can even be put into jail, right? You just have to get them there, it's free. Yeah, it's free. So, um, I, you know, uh, th so the DREAM Act essentially was this point, like, for kids who were brought in by, with, you know, from, by their parents, yeah. had been in school, no criminal record, um, and they wanted to, had plans to go to college. That was also a requirement. Right, of That course, was also yeah. a stipulation. We would give them legal status as DREAMers, right? Wow. So, this was on, in the works since about 2002. 
सो दिस इज वॉट माई फैमिली वॉज होपिंग फॉर एट द वेरी लीस्ट बच्चों को तो मिल जाएगा बच्चों को मिल जाएगा वो सेटल हो जाएंगे बाद में हमारा भी कुछ बन जाएगा कुछ ना कुछ हो जाएगा ना भी हो बच्चों का हो जाएगा राइट So then Johnston tells me like have you heard of the dream act and I said yeah of course come on man <laughs> like is this what people have been like you know you're not you're not all that great like if this is your it's, this is it like this is what you expect of me like I'm going through the system and I don't know dream he's like yeah well did you know there were 10 people that drafted the dream act uh, and I was one of them and I was just like oh, god damn son shit. <laughs> like like are you for real <laughs> right you sit like, up yeah. straight yeah he's like did you know that I've been an immigration activist for about 15 20 years it's like no Okay. I'm sorry Mr. Johnson I've not been alive right? for that long. <laughs> right. And then this guy basically says, look, you know, uh you're in a bad situation, all right? You're up shit creek without a paddle. Okay? But what you can do with this is that you can get involved with some activists through me and we can maybe find you a way out as an individual. you may have some legal protections as an individual your mother and your uncle committed a federal felony right your father again he's too old it it, it the profile doesn't work right you grew up here you talk like us right you have uh, you know an entire high school's faculty of tax paying white voters backing you right they genuinely like you right maybe you can do something mm-hmm. and in that moment like the wheels are turning right i'm just like okay i can visualize this i can see this happening yeah. right and and even at that age like i'm so involved in the entire process that we're going through my mother's doing all the paperwork i'm helping her with it right i know every motion we filed what every motion means every decision that's been taken in our case what was granted to us what wasn't granted to us right i have this all at my fingertips mm-hmm. right i'm more well versed in immigration law than some attorneys we met by the age of 16 right uh i'm around 17 now and and so johnson says like look we can do this this can be a real thing right um and he also made it clear like you know at the very least we can attract media attention we can have letter writing campaigns we can you know specifically petition city lawmakers state lawmakers and try to get you protected so i i kind of um battled with that for a bit you know is it fair for me to pursue something just for myself while my entire family is going through this and what not you know is it fair for me to put this out into the media how will my family feel about that you know etc cetera, etc cetera. eventually i decided i went back to david and i said look we got to do this mm-hmm. we got to do this mm-hmm. you know i remember he initiated an email chain that i will still periodically go back to and read with 50 odd people from all over the us that included activists lawyers advisors and other people who were going through or had gone through the process like myself wow. right all to discuss my case specifically and you know i'd be writing them essays right like lazada and this is what happened and then this motion was filed but it was denied on this basis and then we for you know filed for this pro forma and this ad hominem and blah blah, blah random legal terminology right and um and they were also impressed like you know who, who are you, is this actually the 16 year old kid himself yeah um 
and we're just trading notes back and forth, right? Everyone, I'm having calls with attorneys and this and that. Johnston's taking me to immigration activist events around Houston, introducing me to people, right? It's and on the kindness of strangers, doing amazing, yeah, amazing. Yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. like you have to imagine, this is this was his life, right? This is what he did, right? Imagine the kind of surplus of hope he had, dude. Just a grit. So what I realized much later was that I walked in into his life at the right time. He needed a poster boy and I was so eloquent and I, I just fit the mold, right? right? Different kind of mold in that in that environment, of right? Of course, yeah. I just fit the mold that they needed to make their case, to make a public narrative for why dream is a requirement. Like this just has to happen. Look D- at this guy. Don't tell me, don't tell me you got, uh, you left and then dream got passed. Don't tell me this. I won't. All right. I won't tell you. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, you 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 helped a lot. How of did people. you know? Huh? Have you heard the story before? No. How did you know? <laughs> Have you already seen the season before? No. Okay. Okay. No, dude, that's. Yeah. Because I'm not even at the season finale. No, but yet. you you were building up to it, man. Yeah. That's just all right. Yeah. Dream okay. got passed. Okay. Alhamdulillah. How how long after you had left? Don't tell me this, Seth. 30 days. Oh, buddy. Right. All right. You you remember how I mentioned how I was removed before my expected date? Yeah. Do you know when my expected date would have finished? I don't want to know anymore. 30 days. (laughs) Oh, come on, dude. Now, is it shocking to you that I was removed 30 days before the Dream Act was passed? Kind of makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. So Johnston built up this entire machine around me. And he introduced me to all these people. He gave me all the tools. And I remember one day he sat me down and he said, look, you can do this, right? There's, I, I, know I speak to kids like you every week, okay? They don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the cognizance. They don't have the understanding or the eloquence that you do. You can do this, okay? And I'm telling you that you don't understand the power of this many white people behind you. He said that? Yeah. Dude, that's power. Th- right? That in itself is just right. that honesty. And he said to me, you can make this happen. Uh-huh. But um, the only difficult part of it is that you have to do it. We're right behind you. Okay. Right? But we can only take you to the door. You have to be the one that takes us all the way through. You have to be the one that drives it. Okay. You have to write those emails. You have to go out there and make those appearances. You have to go to these events. You have to make these calls. Okay? We can't do it on your behalf. And he's right. Right? He's right. Okay. He's right. But right? just don't like the story anymore. You're here. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Look, good. it all works out. Yeah. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm yes. doing well. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm thriving. Now I can say I'm thriving. You're doing good work right? with good people. Uh, yeah. People like Fessel Sheikh. It's, it's good people, dude. I left Fessel's company. but. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Fessel, Fessel is amazing. People right? like him, dude. Yeah. It's good yeah. work now, alhamdulillah. Uh, alhamdulillah. And, and it all works out. It yeah. all shakes out. But, um, but this is really my, my you know, I, I, I hate this part of the story. Yeah. Um, and I, I hate it because of, because of what I did, right? I, I sat with that conversation in my head for a couple of days. Um, meanwhile, like I'm getting emails, people are following up, and that's still going. And I dropped the ball. How'd you drop it? What do you mean? I just refused. Refused what? To do anything. You were a kid, dude. You know, I just said, nah, 
this isn't going to work. I, I just, as you know, resigned to this fatalistic idea that this is all, you know, fantasy and this is all idealism and optimism. But you were a kid, it doesn't, man. Hey, you're 17. It doesn't work this way, all right? There's no legal protection. Tell me some legal recourse. This idea of making a case in the media and letter writing and all this and white people. No, it's not going to work. I, I just gave up, you know? Johnson would see me on campus and just give me looks, you know? I think he asked me once a few weeks later, like, and I said no. And I really regret it. Because, look, I, 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 don't, I don't regret the life that I've had no. since then, no. right? I only regret it because American taxpayer dollars are being spent in that way, right? Interagency task force, watching a family like mine for months, building a case file. My mother was eventually presented with that case file when she was in prison. A stack this big of pictures of her picking us up from school, of pictures of my, of my chachu unloading stock from his truck at work, a picture of my father driving his truck at work, you know, stopping at gas stations, doing their thing, us eating at random restaurants. Like, wh what is this evidence of? What is this file supposed to, supposed to, you know, uh, insinuate? It's ridiculous, dude. Right? And so that's why I regret it, that at the very least, I would have publicized this and people would have known what was going on. At the very least, it would have, it, maybe it could have been highlighted. Maybe I could have prevented this from happening to another kid like me, you know? It got passed. Right? The Dream Act got passed, yeah. but this, uh, this entire, you know, covert operation, I'm sure it still exists. It still happens. I'm sure it still exists. Yeah. It never got publicized, you know? And so I gave up on that, right? I didn't apply to university. I did apply to U of H, only the local university in Houston. And I remember I got accepted into the engineering school and I was laughing. I was laughing was like, because it was a joke. It was a joke, the fact that I got accepted. Like, I can't do anything with this. No. I don't, because there was no way. I knew we had bought time, right? By, by then I had graduated high school. And so from the point, from that point onwards, it was just all extra time, overtime, right? you free me, right? And I just enrolled in community college, right? Like, I need to keep studying while I can. Uh, enrolled in community college. And it's also a Desi way to do it, right? P people will typically do this where they take their first two years of basic courses at community college. Yeah. Because it's like one-tenth of the price. Right. Then I've you transfer this. into yeah. a university, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's a four-year degree. So two years Same. in community, two Same. years at actual university. Um, so I thought, look, if and when, you know, it works out or something and we end up staying, I can always just transfer, Right. Uh, little does anybody know that I failed to complete a single course credit at community college. Because you were messing around, right? Yeah. Right? So during that time, during that time at college, so college was a wholly different experience, of, of course. course. Um, it was a wild experience. And, and, and I remember it, you know, and I'm sure it didn't happen this way, but I remember it as just sort of waking up one day because I was kind of just going through life. I okay. wasn't really doing anything much differently. Right. It was just sort of the same routine, making friends, hanging out, doing my thing. Right. Um, and I remember it as waking up one day with just a complete fundamental paradigm shift. Like, hold on. If ice can come knocking on my door at any day, I need to live it like it's my last day in the U.S. every, every day. day. Yeah. OK. Um, there is a lot around me. There's a lot available to me that, that I'm not 
cashing in. I could partake in. Right? I could partake in. I need to just make memories. I need to just intake as many experiences as I can before this is all taken away from me. Sure. Right? Sure. Because whenever it is, it will happen. It's, it's inevitable. Um, and it will be, you know, unceremonious and most likely, you know, random and unpredictable. So unanticipated. So let's just, let's just, you know, embrace it. Let's and, just and go, yeah. Take yeah. it all in. Take it all in, right? So that was why I didn't complete a single course credit. Um, I, that was the time I, I tried a lot of drugs for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. I was on a mission. It was an actual mission. To I try need, all of them? Well, no. Particular ones that I decided on. Psychedelics right? and stuff. Psychedelics and stuff. No, cocaine right? and cocaine, stuff. Cocaine, of course. Cocaine, I sought out actively. Oh, come on, dude. Right? I how, sought how it out actively. That was, that was that? It was not good. No, I, I would imagine I mean, it was good. great. What are you talking about? The cocaine was great. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> doing cocaine was great. Dave but Chappelle. the fact that that happened wasn't good. Right? But it was, it was a state of, state of mind I was in. Yeah. Right? It wasn't just about the fact that I need to party. It was about experiences, right? This was, I convinced myself, this was like, this was existential, right? It, it often is, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was an important need in my life, right? Like, because I knew that I couldn't come back. Once I'm out, I couldn't come back. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely have to take advantage of this. Did you, so was part of why you were doing this, was part of it the fact that you were going to Pakistan and you probably didn't, hadn't heard the best things about Pakistan? Yeah, of course, mm -hmm. right? But I, at, at that point, again, a coping mechanism was that I wouldn't think too much about what was going to happen once I came here. You were just here. You were right? in the present, yeah. It was just present. And in that year and a half, maybe two years, I was more present than I'd ever been in my entire life. Joseph, but then, I've often been told this, so I have not smoked a single cigarette in wow. my life. Okay. No shisha. Good. Yeah, Good. but I've done other... Horrible shit. I'm sorry, I'm killing you with my. No, second no. I, my, my dad was a, my dad was a chain smoker. My is uh, He's not a chain smoker anymore, but he used to, all my life. I probably smoked more cigarettes than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just, and I, I was never drawn to it. Mm. I, never, I was never. It was never the thing for me. For me, the thing was always, uh, being a man. Okay. In the very traditional, being strong. Yeah. Right? So working out, yeah. getting big, yeah. you know. But, but getting big, like I would go to gym trainers, mm. random akhade wale log, and I'd be like, yaar, mujhe itna strong kar dein, ki main kisi ko ek baar mukha maru, to wo dusri baar uthena. That's insecurity, right? That's fear talking. For sure. For sure. I wanted some kind of protection, what have you. So, but I didn't ever get into any of this stuff. Uh... But then recently, you know, as you start staring into the existential vacuum and you're like, fuck, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things people often suggest is mushrooms, yeah. right? Psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would be remiss if I was irreverent of what an experience that is. For sure. And right? that's not a drug. No. Right? It's, it's, it's something else. It's an experience. Yeah, it's an, exp it's an experience. Right? Um, you would recommend it, though? Yes. To everyone. Everyone. Well, they need to do it. Well, look, I'll recommend psychedelics to everyone, um, but what's really important is how you do it, where you do it, and what stage of life you're in when sure. you're doing it, right? Sure. So if you've just gone through a divorce, maybe hold off for a couple of months, right? Or if you've just been fired or laid off. And if you're going through a bad time in life, that's going to come up. Because it's going right? to amplify everything. Amplify everything, right? Yes. So you need to make sure that you're at peace with yourself and with whatever is around you. Um, whenever you decide to take that journey, because it is a journey. So the medicine right? is in you. 
Entirely. Yes. Entirely, right? That's just an activator. It's an enzyme, right? right? It's it's not. Uh, it's actually a catalyst, not an enzyme. Oh, okay, catalyst. Right? Yeah. right. So and and it's catalyzing all of these emotions and thoughts um, that are within you that maybe you aren't even addressing to yourself. So in in this time that I'm I'm talking about, I met a man. You know, he was maybe a year or two older than I was from Nigeria. He had come to the U.S. a couple of years prior. Um, and he describes himself as being a very basic individual um, only a couple of years prior when he was in Nigeria. But when his mother was diagnosed with cancer and he had to take care of her, um, you know, and, and sort of drop everything to be there for her, he went through a spiritual transformation. And when he watched her die, that only, that only deepened his transformation. This guy single-handedly changed my life, right? This guy, this guy taught me Tao. This guy forced me to sit down, you know, in random crevices of our campus and forced me to meditate. This guy taught me how to confront myself, how to really pull out and individually address my demons. I mean, just heavy, heavy shit. Mm -hmm. Like, he would sit me down, guide me through meditation, and I would eventually open my eyes, unable to breathe, and then just like fall on the ground and start weeping, right? That's how powerful these sessions were. Sure. It was insane what this guy was doing. Um, and and we, we became so involved with each other, right? Because he could, of course, see the impact that he was creating as well, mm -hmm. right? And whatever paradigm shift was naturally occurring was just accelerated, you know, 100x. The, the power of a paradigm shift it cannot be stressed enough here. Yeah. And, and external stimulus then also cannot be stressed enough here. Um, something similar happened to me when I... So, I, like I said, I was gym training here, yeah. right? And then I met a friend, still my friend, Alhamdulillah, Shayan Paracha. He came up to me one day. I was working out at Creek Club and he's like, I bet you if I kicked you, you wouldn't be able to take it. Okay. I shit you not. Yeah. Cannot make this up. Okay. It just comes up to me, he's like, I bet you if, you if I kicked you in the leg, you would not be able to take it. Yeah. Now, there's something in me that goes, try it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, might can't, as well. Can't back down. Yeah, yeah. can't back down. But, yeah. but really, what I should have said was, yeah, cool, I won't be able to take it. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> you know, what kind of a thing is that to say to someone? Yeah. Um, that led me to caveman training, which is flipping tires and all that stuff. And that led yeah. me to uh, training Muay Thai. Mm. Muay Thai was kickboxing here. We thought it was Muay Thai. It wasn't Muay Thai. Okay. Then I went to Malaysia. There I trained actual Muay Thai. Right. Actual Muay Thai is not this. Whatever this was, right. Right. was nothing compared to that. Yeah. Because those people would kill you. For sure. Right? And For they sure. were br brilliant and I simply wasn't talented. Um, but somewhere along the line, I realized, and Abhi, recently I've stopped doing those stories. They can tell a few days ago, I was and I would record a workout session. Hmm. I'd call it self-hate hour. Hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, right? And people are like, oh, it's all good energy. It's really not good yeah. energy, right? Yeah. Hate is a catalyst for change. Love isn't. Love stays. Hate goes. That's right. Hate moves, right? That's right. So, um, or it should. Or it should. So, so I suppose a lot of this comes from just coming to terms with the hate you have for yourself. That's and right. just understanding why. That's right. Why do I hate myself? That's right. Exactly. You know, exactly. I hate myself because this country's trying to kick me out. That's not my fault. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly, and, and and that's what I was coming to with this with this Nigerian kid. You know, he said something to me. I think everything he said is probably going to stick with me for the rest of my life. But one thing that stands out in in, in this uh, topic is he told me like, look, there's going to be some topics 
uh, some things in your mind that you feel comfortable sharing with everyone, right? I'm openly discussing my story of deportation or the fact that I've tried drugs or whatever, right? Um, though people would still say these are private things, right? Then there are some things that you will only discuss with your close friends, right? Uh, maybe my financial struggles or my relationship problems. Sure. Uh, and then he says, there are some things that you will only discuss with yourself. Okay. Yes. yes. But the buck doesn't stop there. Excuse Deeper me? within, there are some things that you won't even discuss with yourself. And those are the things that we're going to discuss. Oh, buddy. <laughs> this right? dude. Right? And he was talking about all these things buried buried deep within your subconscious, right? Like, it's a part of you. Of course. It's a part of you, it, it, and it's a deterministic part of you, right? 100%. It's, it's a defining part of yes. you, right? Yes, yes, yes. Self-hatred, you know, uh, childhood trauma, whatever it is, um, you know. There are a lot of parts of this journey, right? So I control the narrative of what happened. I was the only one that was there. There are a lot of parts of this journey that I think about only to myself, it never comes up as part of the narrative. Of course, of course. Right? Um, and even when I catch myself thinking about it, I have to leave that. I have to leave that space. We don't talk about that. Right? Yeah. We. we, we you don't talk we about don't that. Talk no, about no, that. we don't no, talk no, about no. that. We don't no. go there. We don't go there because that leads to a spiral. Right? That's a bad place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was a moment in time. Um, and it was a bad place. It was a bad place. You know? So, and, 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 and credit to him because... This is the only way to grow. This is the only it way. Really you have is. to dig deep, take it out, dissect it, break it apart, understand it, shed it if you must, if sure. you can. Sure, sure. If you can. And move forward. Move forward. What's also interesting about what you just said was, you know, there's some bad places. There is merit in leaving some bad places alone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Our one share everything, woke language, everything as a category. DSM-5, everyone else is, has a mental disorder. We yeah. might, but yeah. you know, we're all on the spectrum of something. <laughs> we yeah. really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Technically. Yeah. Um, there should absolutely be room for not doing that. There should absolutely be room for, I don't want to talk about this, ever. Yeah. That's okay too. Right. As long as it's not hurting me. Yeah. And, and that's part of the, the, the self-care uh, that's, that's required, right? Sure. But, but again, so you have to identify. That's what I think is important that I think most people don't even bother to no. you know, uh, no. ever look into. Identify what it is that you must discuss and diagnose and dissect. Sure. Um, and identify what it is that you don't want to discuss, but at least know why. Figure out that, yes. Right? Yes. So yes. if I'm talking about a wrinkle in time where XYZ happened in this journey, um, it's more about something else than it is about that event. It's about what that event represents. What it did to you, the symbolism, all the of symbolism, it. Symbolism, yeah. or about what maybe that event triggered another memory of a past trauma, right? So I know what it is. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, um, and that's good enough for me. I don't need to delve deeper. No. Right? It's not a good place to go into. Um, at least maybe I won't do that alone. Maybe in therapy. Maybe right? in therapy. Therapy is beautiful, dude. Yeah, agreed. I if was you in get therapy. A good therapist. If I if I get a good therapist, I was only in therapy once in my life after my best friend killed his mother. Uh, though I don't think you have time for that one. 
time isn't the problem right? here. <laughs> look, look, stories galore, man. Stories, dude. All stories. Right? You've got stories. I've, I've, um, You've got stories. I've collected. Yeah. I've collected a few. Yeah. Um, you know, despite my best wishes, the running joke between me and my friends is me always saying, like, I wish life would just get boring just for one year. Just for one. It'd be nice to just sort of coast through, like, 2021. Nothing major, right? No ups and downs. I'd be fine with just some monotony. I, I resonate. Right? I resonate with I'll that. take some monotony over no, Some anything. monotony would be nice. You know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, so, but, but, yeah, go ahead. So, he, you were, again, asked to leave the country. Now you're leaving the country. You've grown this much with this gentleman that you were talking about yeah, and all the substances and then what happens you leave you go to Pakistan no I mean so I mean we're, we're not we're not even there yet <laughs> okay. you know I, I I'm going through this journey with my Nigerian friend I'm in college um, and and so by now a couple of years have passed and it's the end of 2011 so this started spring of 2008 end of 2011 I'm coasting right I'm I'm taking in my experiences I'm living life to the fullest family unit has sort of drifted and broken apart uh, naturally, right? Sure. Because I'm entirely now all about me. Yeah. It's all about me, um, you know. And in this journey, I, you know, had that Johnston affair where we tried to do things. I dropped the ball on it. Um, then I, I picked up, I picked it up again in a, around 2011, 2012, wow, okay. right? right? I picked it up again a little bit, not, not, not too heavily. Um, and because I had befriended someone else who was a lawyer, not an immigration lawyer, but he was involved, right, in, in the courts, um, and he insisted. This was my birthday in 2011. Uh, we, he insisted on, on meeting, uh, on me going to meet this guy who had been with the ACLU for 20 years, also had, you know, uh, private law practice, and a very, very senior immigration lawyer, immigration-focused, right? And um, he does a lot of pro bono work. So pro bono, of course, isn't priority, so we, you know, it was difficult to get an appointment. And the meeting was scheduled on the day of my birthday. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, whatever, right? Um, and I go and I meet this guy, and I remember it, right, very vividly. Um, so senior lawyer, didn't say much, sat down with his notepad, said, start talking, right? And now, like I said, I had everything on my fingertips. So I rattle off every single detail of the legal journey, right, how this happened, how we entered, when Mark came into the picture, what that looked like, what my mother and uncle were charged with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's sitting there for about an hour and a half to two hours just taking notes, writing everything down the entire time, not saying a word, all right? Mm. Won't even look up from his notepad most of the time. It was a weird interaction. Sure. Okay? And when I was done, like I stopped talking. It, it had been a minute. He was still writing, right? And so I asked him, like, I don't remember his name, but I asked him, like, you know, Kazi, are you with me? Like, that's, that's about it. That's about all I have to say. And he looked up, to, you know, at me and he said, um, uh, okay, son, look, um, I understand everything. Um, I've noted down everything. And here's what I can tell you. All right. This is my honest uh, okay. and, and prudent legal advice to you. You have no legal recourse. Okay. So you can either sit around and wait for them to show up or for them to send you a removal order, which may mean that you get detained, as you know, um, or you can run away and just escape the system. You don't have a social, you don't have a green card, move to Nebraska. Just go live your life. Okay. Not the life you want, but it's go a life. live your life. Yeah. And that's it. And I think we just sat there quietly for a couple of minutes Dude. after that. That's heavy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I left, right? So 
I, I, I had pinned a lot of hope on this guy, you know. He's uh, a big deal. He's a big deal. Experienced guy. I got very drunk that day. Whiskey? Yes, how did you know? Have you already seen the season? Before? No, okay. <laughs> dude, I'm just assuming things now. <laughs> it was a tough day. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a downer. Yeah. A year, I'm pulling all of this out of my ass. I don't know what I'm talking about. But it is. Yeah, alcohol is a downer. It was a tough day. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, you know, just continued doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't really try to seek out any other advice. By the end of 2011, all right, now here's where the story heats up. Uh, my mother received a legal notice, right? So we're all living at home, of course, and uh, we received a legal notice in my mother's name. Now, there are three individual dockets within my house. My uncle is a separate one, my mother is separate, and my dad, my sister, and I are on one. My mother's alien number, you know, written on top, right? Um, And this is a notice to appear, but now it's a notice to appear at the immigration detention facility. We immediately called our lawyer, knowing what this means, and she said the same, that we expected to hear that, look, you have to go or they're going to issue an arrest warrant. They know where you live. They're just going to come by and pick you up. OK, this means most likely that you're going to be detained. They can detain you for up to six months. Right? Oh, dude. Right. So that's immigration jail where she had already been once. Right. Um, and when they decide to, when they have the resources, whatever it is, they will put you on a plane uh, and send you back to your home country. OK. Hmm. Is that is that? I don't know. A bother? I don't think so. Oh, no. Okay. Ahead, yeah. Um, and that was a weird time, right? Of course, naturally, we we had to go on that given date. So I I remember that day like yesterday as well. You know, we my dad and I we took her to the facility early morning, eight a.m. Uh, dropped her off. There are no cell phones allowed in the building. Oh, so buddy. so we're like saying goodbye. Like, look, we'll figure it out. Tension ni lena ho jayega. Hum kar lenge. You know, ye bhi waqt guzar jayega. Right? Some some random platitudes like that. Um, my mother's okay. It's not her first rodeo. She's okay. Right? And so we just drop her off and we're watching her go in at the gate. And he and I turn around and leave. Right? Now, we had, you know, of course discussed that the moment her processing is done, she'll use the prison phone and give us a collect call and let, her, let us know that everything's okay. She's inside, everything's okay. Um, we didn't get a call. Entire day passed. Right. And we dropped her off at like 8 a.m. It's now 8 p.m. And I'm sitting in my living room, like just kind of anxious. And my mother just walks in the front door. Oh, dude. And it's like, uh, hello, like uh, you were in jail. Just a relief, dude. But like, yeah, but like, oh. hold on. But it was weird because my in my first reaction was, well, you're, you're supposed to be in jail. You're supposed to be in jail. Yeah. Like, aren't you? Didn't we leave you at jail? Um, and you just you didn't even call us. She's like, "Ha, I'm nikli. Wo phone ki battery dead. Me kya karti? Me taxi pagad ke aagi." Just a gangster, dude. Right? I'm like, just wait, you just, you just you just walked out of jail, <laughs> like, and then she lifts up her shalwar, and she shows us she's wearing an ankle monitor. Oh, dude. Right? No, no, no. This is not all, dude. This okay. is a good thing. Oh, it's a good thing. This is a good thing. Okay. So she explains to us like, "Look, I talked them down. I explained to them that this was an entrapment case. All right, we didn't do this ourselves. Okay." Mark trapped us. Entrapment is illegal, by the mm-hmm. way, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And also, funny story is when I approached the ACLU about this. You know ACLU, right? American Civil Liberties Union. Okay. Right? It's a nonprofit. Okay. It's an it's a NGO. Um, but 
if someone's encroached on your civil rights, civil liberties, you have every right to go to ACLU and they may represent you in a case. I went to the ACLU and said, I've been victim or my family has fallen victim to an entrapment case. And they heard me out, they listened to my whole story. And again, they said, look, you're illegal. So you don't have civil liberties. Right. Right? Of course you don't. Fair argument. Fair argument. I didn't hold that against them. No. Good, good guys. Yeah. Good yeah, guys. Yeah. Nine, out, nine out of ten would recommend yeah. if you are a citizen. Um, doing the work. So, doing the work. So uh, she comes back home. She's like, I'm wearing this necklace monitor. I talked them down. I explained it to them. We're a family. Okay. We're not criminals. We're not hardened felons, even though I have a felony on my record. All right. This is really simple. Uh, we don't deserve to be in jail. You want us to go? We'll go. We're ready to go. All right. Our entire plan was to get our son through high school. We're ready to go, okay. okay? He's now just, you know, screwing around anyway, <laughs> so probably better to leave, Yes. right? Uh, and it was like, so they, they put her into this new, um, what's the word, like supervisory system okay? where, yeah. where yeah. they, you know, of course it's like complete revision, sure. right? Because you're wearing this ankle monitor. Sure, yeah. But it's not house arrest. You just can't leave Houston city limits. You have to go and check in every week. You can even travel if you want. As long as you tell them where you're going, ask them for permission beforehand, show your documents, travel within the U.S. because they can track you anywhere in the U.S. Wow. Right? Um, and it's a, it's a proper, like, homeland security initiative for people who need to be detained but don't deserve to be in, you know, detention. Yeah. Because yeah. detention is also resources, right? Like, this person doesn't deserve it, right? They don't need it. We don't need to keep them in jail. Yeah. Right? We can monitor them They're no way. threat. They're no threat, yeah. right? And they'll most likely leave on their, on their given Sorry. day, right? So they gave her a month. And the deal was you just, you know, follow these rules, all right? And you buy your own ticket and you leave. That's it. Just make sure you leave by, like, Feb 2nd, whatever it was, right? Um, and so it was a win for the family, right? And we decided, we just discussed it all together. And we said, yeah, you got to take this. There's no screwing around this time. This is no longer a voluntary departure. No, no, no. Right? This, this is, is you it. Got, you yeah. have to take it. And if you don't show up on that day, there's a list of rules. If you violate any of them, cops will show up, right? So we agreed. We decided that my mom and my sister, because they have to stick together. Of course. They're both going to India together. Of course. We'll leave on that date. And until then, my mom, it was just party in the USA for her, man. Like, she went to Arkansas, she went to Florida, she, she took, like, two or three trips in that one month. Okay. I shit you not, okay. right? Like, okay, okay. full advantage. Beautiful. Right? So it was great. I was really yes. happy for her as well, you know. Um, and she and my sister, they, they traveled a lot. So they did that. The, the last week before she was supposed to leave, I went on uh, the... the most violent drug and alcohol binge I've ever been on in my life. One week. All right. Um, I won't go into the gory details. But you were coping. It was bad. It was bad, but the amount of drugs I put in my system. In hindsight, why do you think that is? Is it because you were saying, uh, effectively saying goodbye to your mom? Yeah, and I couldn't, we, again, we don't really have that kind of relationship. No, you don't I talk. could sit down and talk to no, her. No. Um, she probably wasn't even around, right? I wasn't around either. Anyway, yeah, and it wasn't a decision I made actively. No, no, it just happened. Sure, of course. Right by then, I'd made sure that these things were available to me whenever I needed them. So, I took it all in a week. Yeah, all. And they were available. All the drugs. All of them. I'll take it. Yes. Uh, Upsized. You know, crossing is a thing, right? Yes, sir, I do. (laughs) You know, most people don't know crossing is a thing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Crossing is when you mix drugs. That's right. Yeah. Allah rehm karega. Chalo, chalo. 
Well, you're here, dude, you know? Yeah, so two nights out of that week, I crossed four substances. Okay. All right. Hmm. So there's that. It was a bad week. Yeah, yeah. It was a bad week. When the week ended on a Sunday, I woke up from my sleep, and I was uncontrolled. I woke up from my sleep like, you know, you're groggy. You haven't even processed reality yet. In that phase, I woke up uncontrollably just bawling. It was good that I was home alone because I was like, cheek, cheek, you know, I don't even know what's happening, by the way. I don't even know what's going on. There's no thoughts. There's no, 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 no. no narrative in my mind. No, nothing, no, 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 no monologue, nothing. I'm just crying. It's just a physical reaction to the fact that I've completely fucked my serotonin levels by putting in so much drugs. So much drugs, right? yeah. And I haven't even given, my time, given myself time to recover, right? Just chemically, just biochemically. Of course. And but so emotionally, was that good? Uh, just the crying? It, I don't remember that. All I remember is the violent crying. Okay. I don't remember how I felt afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't remember much All right. All of right. that week. Um, so her date came. We took her to the airport, my mom and my sister. Um, we said our goodbyes and they left. It was all peaceful. The, her agents were there. Okay. Right? They had to come and check. Okay. I'm sorry for going over time. No, I've, please do. I've been rambling for a long time. It's been fun. Um, her agents, they had to be there to check, like, just to make sure everything's on the up and up. They escorted her to the gate of the plane. They got on. Everything was copacetic. Were the agents nice? Decent? Right. So here's the thing. This is really good. Yeah. Because we had gone through the system and dealt with all these different uh, agencies throughout, right? INS, ICE, Border Patrol, various ones. Fucking ICE. Homeland. And a bunch of different agents within Homeland. But at this end stage, these guys that were responsible for that ankle monitor program, the nicest individuals <laughs> throughout this entire... Like, these were the only guys that I can comfortably say were actual human beings just doing their jobs, right? Which is also why they were understanding, like, yeah, you don't deserve to be in prison. Yeah. Take this, yeah. you know, piece of tech. Kind to the kids. Because you still, guys were really still kids. Really nice. Right? Really yeah. nice people, right? Anyway, so they left, right? Um, we... So we were just waiting. My, my father and I were just waiting because we were the only ones left on that docket. Uh, we were going to get called in any time. We first received a letter that our next appearance has been extended. So we got like two extra months. We just hung out. Um, I was, then we moved into my uncle's apartment. We sold our furniture. That was a weird experience, like emptying my house, right? Because it was my home. But we had to empty it because we knew we were leaving. I've moved. I've emptied six homes. Mm. It's serious. It's that, bad. It never you never it's get bad. used to it. At, at that time, it was different. Of course, it was like my, really my first time doing it mm-hmm. in in that way without my mom present, right? Because my mom would generally be the of one course. driving this, yes. right? Yeah. Without my mom present, I'm the one putting things on oil, uh, Craigslist, selling my furniture. I'm making it all happen. Um, you know. You, you know, we sound privileged, and this sounds like a materialistic rant, but it's not it's about heavy shit. It's dude. not about yeah. the possessions. It's no. about what, what it symbolizes. Exactly. Right? Just it's selling your, your bed. It's your home. Yeah. Yeah. It's your life. So, it is you're, your life. And you're breaking dude. it down now because you have to. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were living in my uncle's apartment. Um, and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, we, need, we needed the money. That's also why we sold the furniture. Remember, we're, we're in debt. Yeah, we're right. in massive debt. Right. Um, so then our letter appears, right? Same story, same building, same time, et cetera, et cetera. My father and I. We're, we're expecting uh, the same story. My mother had said that they're going to treat us all the same, 
right? So same ankle monitor, same, same rules. Same, same. Um, so we weren't really afraid. We were hoping that, yeah, it, sh it should work out the same way. Yeah. And we saw my mom go through the entire process painless. Alhamdulillah. Absolutely yeah. painless. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought, same story. Right, I go in. I start riffing with these guys. Like I said, great. I'm meeting with, meeting them for the first time, but they're great guys. They're just genuinely good people. We got along famously from the start, right? And I'm sitting there making jokes because the moment they tell me, the moment they confirm our assumption, like, look, no detention. Here's the ankle monitor. We're just gonna program it. I'm like, oh, okay, dude, yeah. All right, listen, you're <laughs> the best. All right, did you know that? You're the man. All right, yeah. cool. I like this. This, yes. is, this is good. This is great. So what's up? Um, and you know, we start doing this thing, and now they're explaining the rules to me, right? Like, you have to charge the device, it'll start talking to you, like, you know, please charge device. Um, high tech stuff. <laughs> and um, uh, you have to, you know, appear every week. It's kind of like being on parole, just come and sign your name. You know, you just have to make sure that you're in contact, right? So right. You have to keep appearing, right. that's all. Even though we know where you are, yeah. you have to answer your phone if we call. Uh, you know, we are your case agents. We'll Fair be... enough, dude. Yeah. Fair enough, okay. I was, I was over the moon. I mean, in that room, I was so happy for multiple reasons. Number one, I'm not being detained in prison. Alhamdulillah. Number two, they were giving me a date. They were giving me a date. Certainty for the first time in your life? Do you know how precious that was? Four years I spent in that process. This is now 2012, spring mm. 2012. And they said, we're going to give you a date. And I remember he told me, you are untouchable. You are untouchable, right? They gave us a contract. They give us a contract that delineates the entire agreement, all the stipulations, appearance every week, you know, uh, device controls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What you can do, you can travel if you ask, whatever. And they give us a copy with the instruction that if you're ever stopped by any law enforcement officer, it doesn't matter if it's the fucking Secret Service or the NSA or whoever, you show them this piece of paper if they ask you for your documentation or your green card, which is illegal but HPD is corrupt, Houston police sure, is corrupt. Of course, yeah. And, you know, cops will randomly do this for no reason other than to harass you. So if anybody stops you and asks you, you know, if you have, or even if you fall, even if you land in criminal trouble, right, like you got caught drinking and driving or anything, you still have to show them this, right? Because you will go to, you will be penalized for your criminal activity, but we have to be involved because we are responsible for you now. In a strange way, is that not the first formal document that you guys ever had absolutely isn't that powerful absolutely i can't tell you what it meant to me right i cannot yeah. describe to you what it meant to me and i'm not exaggerating no no it's no like of this course. was I understand, you yeah. know and, and just the date itself it was so powerful like having that visibility you know and so then he's going through this whole thing right we've been there for like half an hour they're explaining the whole thing to us they're putting on the devices and you know my dad's a bit you know skittish um, and he's also just confused by my demeanor because I'm just... Uh, you're just I'm, having the time, I'm dude. just laughing and so, like, delighted. And then the guy says, so, you know, you're going to, you're going to also going to, you're also going to have 30 days. And, and then my heart sank. I, I don't know why I thought that maybe they'd give us a longer duration of time. Because your mom got a longer duration? No, she also got 30 days. Uh -huh. I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be... It because would be you were hitting off with these guys? No, like, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. But when he said 30 days, my heart sank only for one reason. And in that moment, I somehow felt so untouchable and, and so connected to these guys, or I don't know what, or just, you know, fearless or anything, that I said, look, you know, uh, you know John, whatever his name was, I don't remember. I said, John, look, look, I, I, I love this. I'm really happy about all of this. 
And the only thing I have a qualm, you know, I have, a, have an issue with is that 30-day period, right? Look, we're ready to leave, right? I think we've made that clear, right? We know where we're at the end of the road, and we want to go to Pakistan. There's no issue about that, right? But the problem with 30 days is that, look, do you know Snoop Dogg or Willie Nelson? You must know Willie Nelson. And they're like, uh, yeah, you know Willie Nelson. I don't do know you? Willie Nelson, no. Willie Nelson is a very, very famous American country musician. Right, okay? and I know Snoop right? Dogg, obviously. You know Snoop yeah. Dogg, right? And they're like, yeah, we know Snoop. What do you, what do you, what? Willie Nelson, yeah, what about him? And I'm like, look, this guy, he was at that time an octogenarian. Okay. Right, Willie Nelson. Okay. I'm a Willie Nelson fan. All right. Okay. And I said, look, Free Press Summerfest is about to happen in Houston in about 45 days. It happens every year. Yeah. I've been going every year since its inception. And this year, the headliners are Snoop Dogg and who? You guessed it, Willie Nelson. Right. Willie Nelson is an octogenarian. If I don't see him now... I'm never going to be able to see him because I'm going to Pakistan. I can't come back here. He can't go to Pakistan. So, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I know this is weird and wild, but is there any way that you can just give me 44 days or 45 days just so I can attend this one concert? It would mean everything to me. And would you believe these guys said, you know what, hold on. They left the room. They went into their office. They made a call. Don't know who they spoke to. They came back and said, you know what, you've got two months. No issue. And, what the shit, and dude? I, I, I think in that moment, I would have happily given that guy a blowjob. Like, I was just like, <laughs> like, come on, buddy. Like, like, look, like, this is, this is unreal. Yeah. Right. That was a, that was a moonshot. Yes. Right. And yes. you gave it to me. Yes. Um, and this is everything. That's a beautiful thing. This too. is everything. Right. I couldn't have asked for more. On the kindness of strangers, still. On the kindness of strangers. This is the first time we're meeting, by the way. Right. So I walk out of there, you know, happy as a clam. Um, the next day, it, it really started to hit me, though, the fact that I'm wearing yeah. and the fact that it's visible. People can see me because I would take the bus everywhere. Sure, and, and then, sure, sure, sure. You know, it was a bit weird. Yeah. I then got over that in 24 hours and I reminded myself, I was like, look, no, this is a win. <laughs> yeah. All right. Own it. Yes. Own it. Yes. If, you, yes, if yes, anything, yes, yes. if you can't hide it, own it. Yes. And my friends would be taking pictures with it. <laughs> like it was. And by the way, that was also a real th- that. There wasn't that created an impact of its own where there were friends, there were people in my life that had been involved with me since the beginning of this case, right? Who had been hearing me talk about, bitch about the, you know, the process and the fact that I could be picked up and deported at any time and what it, you know, feels like living life under the swinging pendulum that could just one day swing a little too low, right? And because it had been four years, for the ones that had been around long enough, they were just like, look, it's never going to happen, all right? Mm-hmm. Just calm down. You're here. It was here, happening, yeah. Right? It's been, how long has it been, Seth? It's not going to happen. But when they saw that, right, I can't tell you the, 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 the outpouring of love and support mm-hmm. that came about because then it became real for them. Sure. Right? Sure. And when they appreciated that, man, it was, it was, it was, ins- it was magnetic. Sure. It was insane. You know, I, I just felt so connected to these people more so than I ever had before, right? Because now they knew that, that all of these interactions, all of these memories, it was limited, right? There was now an expiration date on it. So we had to just be as present as possible, as true with each other as possible, and love each other as much as possible. That's a beautiful thing, man. It, it really was beautiful. Is. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I had a series of going away parties planned, right? (laughs) 
Typical people will do one or two, right? Not me. No, not you. Look, <laughs> this is me saying goodbye to a life. To your life, yeah. To a, an entire life, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm graduating from college or mm-hmm. I'm moving to a different state. No, this is, I'm probably not coming back, right? And there's like 50-odd people here that I, I, I consider my friends, right, from high school, from college. from. Are you in touch you, with them still? Very few. Okay. Very few. Okay. These things, you know, they're... They they're, just happen, dude, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's ephemeral, you know. Nothing lasts. Mm-hmm. But series of going away parties planned. And I had structured this two-month period, right? I was like, look, party, 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 party. Mm-hmm. And the last two weeks, I had reserved for no contact with anyone except maybe my girlfriend, right? And I'm only going to study Pakistan. Oh, all right. Okay. okay? I'm going to set up my network. I'm going to find out where I can work where I can maybe approach universities or school, everything I need. I'm going to study for two weeks. That's enough time, right, to have a plan, right? I was going to make a PowerPoint for my... For my, for my <laughs> for plan, your own consumption. For my own consumption, right? And it was great. It was great. Everything was beautiful. One month into the program... Uh, one month into the program... I had two months, if you recall, right? Yeah, I, uh, you did, yeah. One month into the program, right? We go in every week. You know, I, I'm used to the routine by now. This is week four, right? Week four, right, they, uh, you know, call us in. My father wakes me up. It's like 9 a.m. That day was special. So I had recently quit my part-time job that I had because I was leaving, right? Um, so that day I was supposed to collect my last paycheck. I was going to spend the day with my girlfriend. We were going to go and buy a new ukulele because I had broken my previous one. Um, then that night... I had uh, a show, a music set uh, scheduled at a cafe that I would uh, host open mic nights at. Right? So sometimes I would go and play my entire two-hour set of cover songs. Wow. Um, it was really fun. Nice little intimate little place. But you understand, now every event that's happening with me involved is the final event. Yes. Right? So this yes. is the final variety show at the Tay House of Tea. Right? Tay House of Tea was the place. Um, so the final appearance of Sefali at, at so-and-so place, everyone I've ever met is invited, right, essentially. Like, All I just right. blasted, I made sure that everyone I even remotely, tangentially care about, <laughs> I mean, you know, please come if you can, yeah. because, look. This is it, dude. This is it, yeah. right? So maybe we didn't get along in high school, but look, just come and say bye, right? Peace and love. Peace and love, all around. Um, so that was a special day planned for me, uh, personally. Uh, none of that happened. Uh, I, I, I went to the center uh-huh. and they insisted that there was a mix-up in my agreement. They asked me where my travel documents were and I said, yeah, the, the date in our agreement, so there were certain stipulations. You had to have bought your tickets by this date before your two months are over, right? Just to show. Show us your ticket so we know you're leaving. I was like, yeah, look, the date that you on that document is of the Monday. Today's a Friday, right? But we've already booked the tickets. Our agent has them. We're going to go and get them today. I didn't know you wanted to bring them this morning. I mean, we can go and get them. And they said, oh, no, that's a problem. And we're like, what? I don't understand. I'm like, look, hold on, hold on. We'll sort it out. Uh, and then they're talking amongst each other. Then they say they're going to remove our bracelets because there's something wrong with them. They're going to replace them. I said, okay, sure, go ahead. Um, they do that. And then they tell us, like, look, you're in violation of your agreement. Um, and you're going to be arrested and detained now. And I said, no, What? Hold up. That's not possible. You gave us the we, two months. We yeah. have a contract, which I, of course, didn't have with me at that time. 
Um, and also, in addition to that, you explained to me that there's a three-strike rule, right? And also, in addition to that, you're being unreasonable because I can't lie about this, like about the fact that I've already booked my tickets. You can call that travel agent and find out. Or I can call him in front of you and you can find out. You can send a black and white to escort me to that agent and, you know... Find out. Find out. We'll pick up the ticket right now, right? It's 20, 30 minutes away. No big deal. Like, no. None of that's going to happen. You're going to jail. So they arrested me and my father. They handcuffed us, right? Um, handcuffs are really uncomfortable. I, yes. Right? Yes. So the moment that cold... So I'm... I'm Look, I, I thought I had a relationship with these guys, right? And I thought they understood me. You and me And both I thought good, yeah. I understood them, right? The moment that cold steel hit my wrist, I realized Everything that... Everything evaporates. No, no, and I, and I realized that something is wrong. This isn't them. They wouldn't do this. Okay. That's what was happening in my mind. Okay, all right. That they would listen to reason. What well, I was asking for was very reasonable. Sure. Even if I, I got it wrong... Send a black and white with me. What's the big deal? No. We're ready to go. But the moment that cold steel hit, I knew. Something's wrong. Okay. Something's off. Okay. Um, and it is, this isn't just John and his partner. This is something else. Um, and so then they put us in black vans. They escort us to the other side of the building where the facility is, a detention facility. Um, and they're processing us, right? Mugshot, filling out the file. Come right? on, and dude. And now, check this out. This is all a stunt. The fact that they're, like, typing very, like, you know, judiciously and all this is all stunt. My father's crying, right? He's like, look, we'll do anything, right? We don't, we're ready to no, go. Son. We'll go right now. I have a young son. You cannot put us in jail, okay? Um, and agent guy is still standing there. He says, look, you have one option. You call someone and you get them to buy you a ticket for a plane that leaves the continental United States today. Okay? We don't care where you go. The plane directly has to leave the country. No layover in, you know, New York, nothing. All right, and then you can leave. We'll let you go today. And I said, all right. Um, and in this whole hullabaloo, I've managed to sneak out a text to my girlfriend, name of the facility, detained. That's all I could type in that, yeah. in that span of time. Little do I know, I spent an entire day there in jail. Um, and little did I know that the entire time, my white Texan girlfriend, American citizen girlfriend, has been harassing this facility she all day, yeah. all day. Like, I need to know what his status is. Has he been processed? Why won't you let me speak to him, right? Like, proper, like, she was up their ass. Um, but that's the ultimatum they gave us. I called Chachu. Chachu, remember Chachu? Yeah, I remember Chachu, dude. He's still in Houston. Abitak. He married someone. All right, well... I mean, say yeah. Yeah, he's still there. Okay. And it all started from with him, technically. Technically. It was his green card. In it his was name. his green card. Technically, yeah. he's still there. So uh, I called him and I said, look, this is the story. Please do what you can. Otherwise, uh, we're going to jail. Dude. We're, going to, we're in jail. I'm calling him from the collect call system yeah. inside the prison. And uh, said, all right, I'll see. Um, so, of course, now, I can't just keep making calls like, hi, are you there yet? Like, I have to just now sit and wait. We have a deadline of 5 p.m., right? I arrive at 9 a.m. We're sitting in jail. Uh, no clock in jail. No, of course not. Right? So my dad and I are just sitting around. I spoke to some Hispanic kids. I, I, you know, whatever broken English they could speak in. They were telling me their stories of 
how they got caught in a raid. In a raid, ICE also conducts raids sure, in certain apartment complexes or certain workplaces that they have suspicion of uh, is housing several illegal immigrants. Right, Idiots. catch catch a bunch in one go. Right. Um, 5 p.m. rolled around, and I cannot tell you the relief I felt when I saw our agent walking towards the gate of the jail, right? The, the gate of our window, like there's this window outside, and I saw him walking in. Uh, and he spoke to the one of the guards. They called us up, said, we, we, we've got your tickets. We're going to the airport. What about your stuff? What about all that? No stuff? So, Jachu packed all of our bags, brought it to the airport. Okay. These guys then escorted us directly to the airport in handcuffs. Um, when we when we got there, they, they removed them. Okay. We got there, they removed them. And then Jachu was there, and he was also just, you know, upset. Uh, he gave us our bags. I remember he had brought my guitar, right? And I, I remember f I was ta I was unloading the stuff from his car. और मैंने उनसे बदतमीजी कर ली मैंने मैंने बकायदा फड्डा किया मैंने कहा ये क्या हरकत है आपको लगता है कि इस सिचुएशन में मैं गिटार लेके जाऊंगा एंड एंड इन दैट मोमेंट माय चाचू एंड आई हैव द वर्स्ट रिलेशनशिप द वर्स्ट रिलेशनशिप पॉसिबल बिकॉज़ ही हैज बीन अ वेरी अ मेजर बैड एक्टर थ्रू आउट माय एंटायर लाइफ एंड इन दैट मोमेंट इज लुक इफ यू डोंट टेक दिस नाउ यू गोना रिग्रेट इट ओके प्लीज आई नो यू आर अपसेट बट प्लीज टेक इट विद यू ट्रस्ट मी and i swear to god that's probably the only good thing that man's done for me jeez dude you know like directly at least yeah um uh and i did take it with me so now because we were in custody we were in detention all of our stuff like belt and watch and all of our belongings are you just get put into a bag right yeah. Yeah, so I, I i i asked you know that agent like can i have my stuff back um so he gave it to me first thing i did was i pulled out my pack of cigarettes and i lit a cigarette in front of my father for the first time because in that moment there's no fucks given no we're being cognitive removed. capital yes we're being removed i need to smoke as much as i can we're getting on a long flight as well um this is what it is right and he just looked at me and said kab se piro said it's been years and that's that was that <laughs> that was that Then I pulled out my phone um and I turned it back on. I saw that I had 10% battery left and I started crying. Uh because I knew I had to make several calls. I first called my girlfriend uh, who was already crying uh and I told her I was never going to see her again. And I also told her that I couldn't speak to her for very long because I had several calls to make. Uh I spoke to her for a few minutes and that was it. Um then I called a few of my friends. Um I said goodbye to them. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them, one of my closest friends, Pakistani American kid, half Pakistani, half white. Mm. He was insisting, "I'm coming to the airport right now," and I said, "You can't make it. Mm -hmm. You can't." Make He's like, "No, you're not leaving. I'm not leaving until I see you. I'm coming to the airport right now." Yeah, I'm like, "Look, I, I, I literally don't have battery for this, Zach. Right? Like, this is it. It's been real. All right, I'm going to see you again." Um, तुमसे तो मुलाकात हो ही जाएगी तुम पाकिस्तानी हो बैंड यू नो ठीक है तू तो आ ही जाएगा ठीक है वो तो गोरी है वो नहीं आ पाएगी तू तो आ जाएगी तो आई या सेट माई गुडबाइज एंड इट वॉज रफ जस्ट जस्ट द डेफिनेट टोन ऑफ इट ऑल 
Because she could have come to Pakistan. No. But no, you were leaving We that weren't life. married, man. It was... We were kids. I was 19. She was 19. Right? Yeah. And look, she had very, uh, very directly offered to get married to me several times for the sake of the paperwork. Right? And I... And my parents, multiple times, you know, I hope they don't see this ever, but... Um, my mother, you know, God bless her soul. She, great. I mean, she, the, the, the amount of shit this woman endured and, and you know, um, you know, which is which is the driving force in my life today. Mm-hmm. Right. That Alhamdulillah, she's still alive mm-hmm. and I, I have to do something for her. Inshallah. Because yes. the amount that amount of shit that she has put up with for me, you know, I can only hope to ever pay it back. So I so yeah. uh, my, my mother and my uncle and my father often were like, look, you must have some girlfriend. Okay, look, even if you don't, you, we know you have white friends. They come around all the time. Just marry one of them. And my answer was simple. Like, uh, didn't you guys try to take a shortcut? And that clearly worked out well for you, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So maybe don't cajole me into... into you were also looking out for her. Following then. in your footsteps. Of course I was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because... Uh, it's not of course just I was. Yeah, of, not course just I was. of course I was. Of course I was. I broke up with her multiple times in the course of like the last few months, you know, only because I was like, look, this needs to stop. You don't understand what's going to happen when I leave. And I am going to leave. But again, everyone was caught up in that. Ah, come on. It's not happening. You're here right. for good. Forget right. about it. Right. Right. Um, but I knew. And if I talk to her now, you know, one thing she remembers very vividly is uh, our relationship was great. Um, until about the last five, six months you were here when you just obs- became obsessed uh, with this idea that y- your date is coming closer and closer, right? Because I knew. I saw my mom go through it, so I knew that now we're here. It's only a matter of days, maybe mm-hmm. weeks, maybe two or three months. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was right. That's, yes. that's a, the, exactly the timeline that was followed. Yes. Um, so... Agents escorted us all the way to the gate of the plane, said goodbye to Chachu and everyone, right, and his wife. Um, when we got to the, so when we get to the, the gate of the plane, right, they scan your boarding pass, they look at my passport, boom, red flag goes up. Border patrol comes by. Red flag goes up because I entered on a visit visa that expired, I mean, it's a five-year visa, but I entered in 2002 on a six-month stay. It's now 2012. <laughs> so, so you're leaving to say, you know? And it's not that simple. Okay, what? It's not that simple. All right. If you overstay illegally, you can't just walk out. Right. Right? Right. So Border Patrol comes, they just, you know, signal those agents. And this guy literally looks at my passport. He's like, did you just think you were going to walk out of here? Like, literally, like, did you just think you were going to? And I just said, hold on. And I turned around and I waved at my agents, who are about 10, 15 feet behind us. Um, And I just pointed, like, there's a situation. Can you just come? That's what they're there for, yeah. right? So they come and they trade cards and like, oh, hi, I'm John. Oh, hi, I'm Jim. Right? They do their little white guy thing. Um, and then I guess I guess John filled in Jim on what was happening. And, and, and um, they said, look, they're with us and they're being removed. It's fine. It's all, yeah. it's all copacetic. Don't worry about it. Right? And for no reason other than the fact that he can't resist being a racist prick, Border Patrol man comes back towards me and says, you know what, I'm going to note down in your file and I'm going to make sure you can never re-enter this country ever again. That's what's happening, motherfucker. What else? Uh, his point is that typically there's a 10-year bar okay. when you're forcibly removed. And he was somehow making it seem that he had this ultimate legal authority where he could write one line on a piece of paper 
and extend that bar to eternity. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that was about, right? And all I could say to him, it was just knee jerk. I didn't even think about it. I said, "Fuck you too, Uncle Sam," and I just walked, walked into the plane, walked into the plane, right? Look, I had to give him. I had to give him you that bitch give, slap, yeah, right? You have to. What you have to. I yeah. walked into the plane. I stood at the gate of the plane. I turned around and I waved at my agents, and they waved back at me. And again, I could see them. The look on their faces. They were back to being human once again, right? Actually, the entire time at the airport, they were back to being human. Whatever they were doing earlier that day, they didn't want to do it. They had to do it. That's what I, I at least that's what I choose to believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't think it was them. And the reason I don't think it was them is because I was removed on May 13th, May 11th, 2012. I landed here May 13th, 2012. And on June 13th, the DREAM Act was passed and ratified in Congress, which means that if I was in the U.S. physically on June 13th, even if I was standing at the airport, I could have literally just made one phone call and said that I want to apply for DREAM and my case would have been stayed. Mm -hmm. And my entire family is certain of the fact that, look, this is all one circle. It's all one bureaucracy, DHS, INS, ICE, you know, immigration courts, uh, the lawmakers, they the hold policy it makers, you. right? They know what's coming and they had a hard on for our family. They just wanted to make sure that we got out. Otherwise, why would they remove me within one month when they happily gave me two months? There's no other real reason. No. No. So I landed here. My family from Golimar picked us up. It's the only home we had. We, we don't have any property of our own. You know, my father had always had one room reserved in this small 120 Right? And I lived there for two and a half years. I pretty much integrated myself into my Taya's family. Um, he has six sons, mashallah. mashallah. Two of them are now married. They both have kids. Um, and I lived with them. And I slept on the floor with them every day in a room slightly bigger than this one. Um, I would eat with them, you know. My, my thai would take care of me as, as her own child. Um, and then I slowly built my life um, until I eventually realized that those people were snakes. They took care of me, but they were snakes. So I left when my father died. Mm-hmm. When my father died, I said, look, now I have no reason no. To have any association with you, to live in this house. Alhamdulillah, now I can take care of myself. Alhamdulillah. You know, Alhamdulillah, I can pay my own bills, whatever, however difficult it's going to be, I'll manage. And I did it. In between, I had moved to Islamabad for a year. I lived there alone. I lived in Lahore for a couple of months. Came back to Golimar, stayed there, uh, took care of my grandmother. Then she passed away, took care of my dad. Then he passed away. Then after that, I moved out. And I've been living on my own in Karachi ever since then. So he passed away in 2015. And I've been you know, yeah, on my own in Karachi since then. And look, Pakistan is not a hospitable place not for, for a, a single individual. No. Okay? No. Like, so you can be a bachelor, but if you family ka support nahi hai, ya jaan pehchan, jise kehte hai, nahi hai, bahut masla hai. Bahut jala. Ab dekhe, meri family ka bhi kya scene hai? Meri family gharib hai. Jo yahan pe rishadar hai, tadi hal hai, wo goli maar mein rahte hai. Aadhe goli maar mein, aadhe lalu khet mein. Wo baqaida wo gharib hai. تو وہ کوئی سین ہی نہیں ہے کہ میں ان کو فون کروں کہ یار کسی بندے سے کنیکٹ کروا دو جاب نہیں مل رہی یا یو نو گھر نہیں مل رہا فلیٹ نہیں مل رہا کوئی ہیلپ کر دو دے کینٹ افورڈ اٹ رائٹ اف دے نیو ہاؤ مچ آئی واز ارننگ ناؤ دے وڈ لوز دیئر مائنڈس 
right? Because because to them, like this isn't even possible, mm-hmm. right? To them, I'm I'm an astronomical anomaly, improbability, right? yeah, like impossibility, impossibility. Like the fact that I, I I've made it this far, and even I can't believe that I've made it this far. To be honest, despite like like I said, you know, all these ups and downs, and it's so weird, you know, like having to do all this on your own. You you're, you're just you constantly have to be a phoenix, you yes. know, and you can't. And there's no you have to pull yourself up out of the ashes. Last time I was telling you about homelessness, the last yeah. bout of homelessness, these best friends I told you about, right? They weren't around. Do you know why they weren't around? I wouldn't let them come around, right? I hid this even from them. Again, remember I told you? Some mm. things you won't even tell those around you, those, yeah. those close, few close people around you. Yeah. And this is one of those things. I didn't want them to know how bad it was. I didn't want them to know that I was eating an actual meal maybe two or three times a week. I didn't want them to know that at that time I didn't have a belly. I was skinny. I was proper skinny. And yet, within three months, I lost 10 kgs, right? I didn't want them to see me because you could see it in my face. Yeah. You, you could see the, you know, my cheeks going in. Because I knew that if they found out, they would be there every day. They would be going out of their way beyond their means to bring me food to take, to take care of me. I couldn't burden them like that, right? Maybe it was their privilege. Just something. Just something to give you. You're not that person anymore. I would just hope that you understand that that's, be, yeah. that's their privilege. Yeah. No, you're right. You know, because that's what, right. that's what, especially friends, even family, that's what family is supposed to be like. And like you so astutely put, family sometimes they become quite venomous. Uh, especially the close ones. They choose to every day. They, any day they could be like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm out. And, and, all for, and for all of these people, yeah. you know, because, uh, and even she doesn't know. You know, for, there was a period in between where I didn't speak to her for two years. And that included that period where I was at rock bottom. Um, and, you know, then I was even more sure that I wasn't going to speak to her until I was fixed, until it was fixed, you know. Um, She's she's a depression patient, you know. She's okay. diagnosed with clinical okay. depression. Okay. She's in India. She's away from me. She's seen me once in in nine years. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna put her on that. I'm not gonna put her on that. Like you know, on this like weekly update of this is how much weight I've lost uh, now, and I managed to get roti two times this week. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I'm not gonna put her on that. And I didn't. You know, and and she understands. Mm-hmm. You know, now we now we have a good relationship. We talk regularly. But you know, we were talking about earlier about diversity of experience sure right and the lack of it sure the lack thereof in Pakistan if I if I had to say one thing and, and this might sound really magnanimous or self-righteous or, or some some cliche bullshit but and I'm talking about actual bhook mm-hmm. आपके जेब में एक पैसा नहीं है और 
آپ شرم کے مارے یا خودداری کے مارے جو بھی ہے کسی سے مانگنا بھی نہیں چاہ رہے اور آپ کے ذہن میں جو خیال گزرتے ہیں ٹھیک ہے اور اس اس وقت اس موضوع پہ جو آپ اپنے آپ سے گفتگو کرتے ہیں یو نو آئی مین اٹس اٹس بیونڈ سیلف ہیٹریڈ اٹس اٹس بیونڈ سیلف بیش اٹس بیونڈ سیلف فلیجولیشن رائٹ اٹس اٹس یو ایگزامنگ یور سیلف there's also like i think a psychedelic effect of of just that prolonged hunger yeah, that's know? what i was going to say yeah at you know? some point it's just and it's such a dark place to be that's what i was talking about when i said yeah. i I've, i've gazed into it and it's gazed back at me into the abyss sure you know um i i'm lucky that i was living in a shared environment at that time i was with one of the person who was unfortunately going through the exact same thing in life Allah as I was. Is he all right now? He's all right now okay. uh, as well, right? But so if I was alone, I would have killed myself. I would have done it. Jeez, I would have done it. I would have done it because literally what would happen is because we had nothing to do, we couldn't go anywhere. We didn't even have the energy to go outside and take a walk because we had no calories in our system. You know, if I was in my room for more than a few hours, he would just open my door and barge right in. He wouldn't allow me to lock my door. because he knew that it was that bad he knew that it was my first time having it that bad it wasn't his first time oh my goodness right? dude so he took on that responsibility that i'm just going to come in and check on you right and and i would you know um i wasn't good to myself in 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 that in that stage not at all you know but It, it took a lot to crawl out of it. On the fucking kindness of strangers, dude. On the kindness of strangers. Whatever I've eaten in those three or four months, it's all the kindness of strangers. You know, um, if they were their friends or if they had two or three money, he would never eat alone. Right? If, he, if all he could afford was one, one paratha and one anda, he would still share it with me. You know? And this was a guy I had met a year prior for the first time. He needed a room in Karachi. I gave him a room. I was doing well at that time. By the end of that year, both of us were not doing so well. So, uh, yeah. And somehow I, I tried to get some work. It didn't work out. And then I eventually bit the bullet. I said, look, this business is not working. I need to go back into the full-time job market. And I worked my ass off to get that first job. Um, You know, there were, there were two points in my career where I, I sent a cold note with a cold proposal. And actually, I mean, I mehnat kiye because I knew, like, I, I want this job in particular, right? And I, I'm really vocal about this. Like, do not underestimate the power of cold notes, right? And especially in business, cold proposals as well. Like, that shows commitment. Sure. You, know? it you shows, drew it up, yeah. And it also shows that you're really interested in this particular position, in this particular job, or this particular firm. Um, so I did that then. I did it again later on. Um, got the job both times um, you know and I've managed to grow I started teaching guitar again um, you know I recently taken a hiatus I, I revived my social life I welcomed those you know close uh, loved ones back into my life um, and now I can comfortably say that everything is copacetic everything is copacetic 2020 mm-hmm. was difficult to get through but it was the most productive year i've had on record it was 
it was a game changer. Yeah. And it just like upscaled my career like anything. Alhamdulillah. The amount of work I got done, the amount of things I achieved, alhamdulillah. And and now, you know, um, I've just started a new job. I've I've joined a startup to help uh, them establish and lead their marketing function. What, what's, uh, so marketing, okay. Yeah, in marketing. Okay. But I'm now like leading this department. I'm shaping this department, um, and it's you know I'm really excited as it's an opportunity to build something. Um, so yeah. That's that's more or less midi dukhbari dastan. Dukhbari it is. But uh, with a happy ending. Uh, at least Alhamdulillah. I hope this is not the ending. I hope uh, abhi picture baki hai. Abhi picture baki hai inshallah. Allah yeah. ki Allah rahm karega. Yaar, I think this has been the longest podcast I've ever done. I, I'll just I'll just I'll just, I'll just tell you. cannot put this no, entire thing no, no, on no, yes, you, yes, so I, No, no, yes I can. Of course. I'm going to do it inshallah. Inshallah I'm going to do it. Allah Props to anyone who makes it this far. They're going to do it. They're going to do it inshallah. And this is also the podcast that I have spoken the least in uh, by my own volition because I hope so you're, I, an, I, I, I hope. you're an excellent storyteller I hope really I are. haven't been overpowered no no no, that, no, no that's no, no. the last thing I want. no 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 even if even if you did that would still be because it's an excellent story you're, it's not an excellent story it's a horrible story but it's an excellent way to tell it right <laughs> it's a beautiful storytelling session uh. And um, hi, I, I don't think like, people are just going to have to watch the whole thing. Usually I summarize mm. after the podcast. Right? I'm mm. like, oh, you... No, dude, it, it's just they're going to have to watch it. Yeah. Um, this has been a lot of fun, dude. But I Thank you. I really, I really hope that whenever you have time next, you come by again. For sure. Right? I'd love to. For round I'd two. Because it was just a flashback. Now the present scene is coming. For sure. Yeah. For sure. No, and, 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 and I'm not fucking Joe Rogan. I can't do a six-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too much. I don't have that stamina. No one does, dude. No, 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 no one does. Um, Seth, this has been wonderful. Thank you, sir. Right? Um, you. You're an absolute inspiration to anyone who's heard it this far. Thank you. Um, there's some profound notes to take about living life from your story, right? And about just existing yeah. just being you know yeah. Yeah. just being um, and yeah so you're ob- obviously a social media ghost I do this but you're so so n- you can't plug anything you can you can just follow me on LinkedIn if, on if LinkedIn anything, if anything Saifali Saif yeah. Kazi Akbar thank you buddy thank you thank you